Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. My name is Brother Benite, a.k.a. Brother Michael. Uh, Brother Ravana Noon with us. Uh, Brother Sargidi, who will not be with us tonight, is taking a short break, probably for the next few weeks. Um, so he'll be back probably some, sometime down the road. Um, <clears throat> I want to welcome everybody to the show. And as usual, what we'd like to do in the beginning is to, you know, again, more so for the newer listeners, not for our regular listeners who tune in on a weekly basis. Uh, we just want to make sure newer listeners are clear on the subject matter and what it is we discuss here on Awakening Universal Minds. It is a uh, left-hand path show dealing with the origin of the left-hand path back in ancient Egypt. Um, it deals with the occult, metaphysics, uh, alchemy, uh, what one would call the adept of the black arts or, or black magic, uh, yeah, all things that are involved with it, uh, sorcery, etc. It deals with all uh, different aspects uh, you know, of the occult. Um, it's a path of self-deification. It's a path of you creating your own realities, et cetera, which uh, the topic tonight kind of deals with that, and we're going to get into that. Um, it's not a religious show. Um, it's not a personal faith and belief show. Uh, we say that because sometimes we get emails. Uh, some people get a little bit shocked. Um, so if somebody passed this show along to you and you weren't sure what it's about, we just want to make it clear uh, that's what it's about. Uh, and again, for the newer listeners. And then also we'd like to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, so I'll bring in uh, Brother Ravana Noon, and he can go ahead and uh, introduce himself. All right. This is Brother Ravana Noon. Uh, once again, another show, another time, another moment. Uh, this show, as Brother Benito was stating, strictly deals with left-hand path, ancient, ancient Egyptian origin of left-hand path. Um, we deal with the darker side of magic, as some would call it. But in reality, just learning to work with self, work within the shadows and the abyss of self, master self, and take control over self, and manifest your desires and your wishes and your goals. Now, that being said, this show may not be something that complements what you're used to hearing, this show is not about feeding your ego, massaging your ego, and making you feel great, original, divine, or some uh, exceptional being. It deals with strengths and weaknesses of everything, everybody, in every situation and moment. It's about uh, basically learning to overcome, learning to uh, strengthen yourself, and challenging yourself in every which way. The show does and is about questioning and answering. It is about stating your comments, your opinions, or things like that. It is not a show where um, we mute you or shut you out. With So if you have something to say, whether you agree with us or not, please bring it forth. Because when you're able to bring it forth, we're able to discuss things on a higher level. We're able to discuss things and bring things about that that may be necessary, but if you feel like you can't do that and, and have to do it in another way, then maybe this show's not for you. 
So that's uh what the left hand this what it's all about. And uh peace. All right. Uh you know, same thing, uh piggyback on what my brother said. Uh again, the things we talk about also wanna make clear on the show, we teach from a, an experience perspective. Uh not just reading about it. Um we don't just build on topics that we've just read in books. Uh when we're speaking of the occult metaphysics, alchemy, um we we actually have and still and currently uh participate and continuously put these these principles into practice. Um a background, you know, on us as far as occult metaphysical uh, you know, fraternal orders as we've mentioned in the past, our affiliation currently and in the past with some other orders, uh be it the Rosicrucian order, uh the Martinist order, uh OTO or some is no order, Templar Orientist, the Masons, the Shriners, uh, being initiated in IFA on various different levels, Apollo. Uh, these are the various different areas that we talk about that are connected. Uh, and again, we speak from that from, from an experience perspective. We speak from that from an experience perspective, not, not just from reading about it. And there's a difference in that because... Unfortunately, a lot of the misinformation, the misguidance, or the incorrect information uh, comes from people's perspective of just reading about it. And trust me when we tell you, and we've said this a million times before, any of the aforementioned orders that were just mentioned, you're only going to get so much out of the books. Trust me when I tell you that. You're not going to get the inner depths of the initiation. So we, what we say is, one, it's not mandatory to join any of these orders. And by all means, we're not telling anybody that it's mandatory. We're not recruiting anybody for any of those orders. We don't recruit anybody for anything on this show. We don't have an organization. We're not selling you fairy dust and fairy packs and charging you five, $600 to take a class. None of that bullshit. So I just want to make that crystal clear. Um, but what we are saying is, if you really want to master those concepts, master those orders, so you can truly teach on them and correct what you think might be inconsistent with them, the only way you're going to be able to do that is become initiated in those orders. And that is the only reason why we did it. Not because we thought we were going to get some great secret out of it. That's not why we did it. We now have the experience and we can compare as we've gone through the initiatic orders aforementioned, we can now dialogue and build on it and discuss. And we can now dissect and go in depth on a lot of the symbolicism, the rituals, et cetera, et cetera, and, and what it pertains to, rather than just reading some book or some something off the Internet or, or listening to a lecture from some charismatic coon who thinks they know what they're talking about because they read some conspiracy theories on a lot of these uh, uh, orders, et cetera, and feed off of and suck people's emotions dry. That's not what we do here. Um, it's about living the experience, not reading about it. So I want to say that again. It's about living the experience not reading about it. And that's what we encourage everybody that's listening to the show to do. We don't encourage you to follow anybody exclusively. We don't encourage you to become exclusive to what we like to call Mickey Mouse clubs, religions, philosophies, or dogmas. You should constantly be evolving, growing, changing, studying. Once you exclusively belong just to that and, and, and lay claim to say, I'm just going to be you know, Ifa, or I'm just going to be a, a Muslim, or I'm just going to be this. 
that's not what the what the path left hand path or the ancient origin left hand path of Egypt is about. It's about constant evolution, constant change, constant growth, always trying to challenge yourself. And we, we we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. Not about staying comfortable. And again, as we mentioned before, the problem is a lot of people left whatever faith system or, or belief system they came from. They think they're conscious now because they study a little something on Egypt or they think they're conscious now because they're dabbling in Ifa, but they still got a religious mindset. Subconsciously, that religion is still embedded in their subconscious mind because they still approach those doctrines through the eyes of religion. And it's easy to detect. And how you detect it is real simple. Somebody that might have been a Muslim, Christian, or a Jew, but now they claim to be in Egypt and they still use terms like the most high. That's fucking religious. Okay, there's no way of getting around it. And I always, when I hear anybody that claims to be conscious say that, I say, can you please identify what you mean when you say the most high? Uh, do you mean some God in the sky? Oh, no, no, that's not what I mean. Well, what, what, what do you mean? What, what does that terminology mean? The most high is where and what? And there's no, there's no distinct correct answer because that's where you catch them subconsciously still trapped in that mindset. Uh, so just little concepts to, to grasp and understand the perspective of the show and where we're coming from, our experience and what orders we have belonged to and, and currently belong still to majority of those orders uh, for the purpose aforementioned. Uh, so, again, we know what we're talking about. Trust me when I tell you that. And, again, as Brother Ravana Noon said, before we get into the topic, when we do get to the portion of the show uh, where we open up the phone lines, we open up the chat room, uh, feel free. It, that's what the show is about. We want a dialogue. It's not, it's not about you having to agree with everything we say because we don't want you to agree with everything we say because if you do, then there's something wrong with you because we know everybody's going to have their own perspective on information, knowledge, and doctrine, and that's the beauty of it. That's called creating your own path. So it's not that we're disagreeing, but we're going to have different levels of perception on information, and that's the beauty of dialoguing. So by all means, uh, when that point or part of the show comes, feel free to voice your opinions, your expressions within reason, you know, uh, and dialogue and ask questions. You know, that's the purpose of the show. So, you know, the objective is we want you to leave uh, when the show is finished, be able to walk away from the show with grasping, learning something. And like I said, whether you agree or not is irrelevant. Whether you like or dislike, that's personal. That's something you're going to have to deal with in your own personal time. So we definitely don't cater to people's emotions. I don't like this and I don't like that. That's some little kid shit. So that's not going to fly. That's something you're going to have to wrestle with in your own personal time. But the objective is voice your opinion, ask your questions, because we want you to leave the show learning something. And, again, if we can get you to think, then we've simply done our job. That's the whole purpose of the show, just to get you to think about shit you may not have thought about, you know, prior. Uh, and that's the objective. So having said that, uh, I think that covers the basis. Uh, we want to welcome all the uh, listeners. Uh, we want to welcome everybody all throughout the United States. We already see some people on from North Carolina, California, Florida, Indiana. I know uh, more people will be coming in as the show uh, builds up. Uh, again, acknowledge all of our international people listening uh, via Facebook and Twitter and stream and live stream. Uh, though we can't see you, we know you're listening. We see those numbers when they download, so we want to send a Shout out to all those people. All right, so the topic for this evening, necromancy and black magic. I'm going to bring Brother Ravana Noon in. Uh, maybe you want to kind of uh, briefly 
get into the explanation of that. Maybe let's go, let's let also the listeners know some of the uh, resources and the books that we'll be using. I know we'll, you know I know one we'll be using uh, you know heavy, but uh, we you know we want to give the listeners also some of our uh, reference points of where this information will be coming from. All right. Well, <clears throat> basically, as tonight, tonight's topic is necromancy and black magic. Um, the main source that we're coming from, however, it's not the only source, but it is the main source, is The Witch's Book of the Dead by Christian Day. Uh, that's the main source we'll be coming from. Then we're also going to be using uh, Santiza, uh, Santiza Muerta with Kandra uh, Ali. And that's uh, another source of material we're coming from. Basically, necromancy uh, is basically the science of working with the spirits of the dead. And the rituals and different magical precepts that are used to do that work. Now, when we think of necromancy, we've been given Hollywood interpretation of some extreme bullshit of, you know, people stealing, you know, uh, corpses and, 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 and stealing some bones and things like that. Now, indeed, there is usage of bones and things like that, but it's not the way it's depicted. And, and, and Ravonna, no, real quick, let's make sure they're not confusing necromancy with necrophilia. I just want to clarify that because right. I could already feel that. Let's, let's explain the difference. Well... For many, uh, necromancy is the science of work with the spirits of the dead. Necrophilia is in sexual attraction and um, sexual uh, sexual acts with okay. dead corpse or bodies. Yes, make, make uh, that, that clear, brother. Or past. So make that clear. Two different things. We do not deal with no necrophilia and all that crazy nonsense. Necromancy is strictly working with spirits of the dead. Everybody has a connection to something regarding the spirits of the dead. All of us have experienced a family member or friend who's passed on. Now, what you have to understand is just because they're not in physical does not mean that their energy or their spirit is still here in this earthly plane because it is. And that's what people have to understand. Energy can never be destroyed. So their very essence is still stamped in this earthly plane. You, I, and most people have the ability to work or communicate with the spirits of the dead. However, it is um, something that people have shunned away from. The Bible speaks against things of that nature, you know, communicating with the spirits of the dead and things of that nature, or just communicating with spirit, spirit. Well, that's because they want to control you. Some way, shape, form, or fashion, they want to control because when you make contact or communicate with the spirits of the dead, basically making connection with your ancestral bloodline. And when you make connection with the ancestral bloodline, you're connecting from yourself, your higher self, all the way down to the the lineage of your ancestors that have lived here thousands of years. And there's a vast amount or reservoir of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that could be in, imparted to you 
that when you receive that knowledge can make your destination, your con- uh, your manifestation and your desires something that could be uh, easily attainable with the work and the discipline to make these things come a reality. So we have to really clar- clarify that because people have been given a misnomer that anything that deals with necromancy or necro something is dealing automatically with, you know, some sexual act with the dead body. Now, and then, and then, I'm sorry, Ravana, let me just throw this in there. And also the word itself, the etymology of the word, let's just be clear on that. It is a Greek word. And right. from the word necro, or necro, comes from the Greek word, which means dead. And exactly. also pay close attention because that's a term that's used for mel- melanated people in the English language today, negro. Okay, so pay attention to that. Negro, necro comes from the origin of the same root word. And what do they call most melanated people? American negroes. All right, so there's something being insinuated there, but we'll, we'll build on that a little bit. Um, but we just want to make sure you're clear on the etymology of the word uh, necro. You heard the word, also the word necropolis. They say that's the abode of the dead, but we'll get into that. But I just want to throw that in there. Exactly. Um, so just to continue with that, uh, many people, for example, when they hear the word witchcraft, let's say, that word in itself evokes an image of strange rituals held in forgotten corners of gnarled forests lit only by the moon and perhaps a candle or two. That is Hollywood's interpretation. This is what they show you when they constantly do that. Not necromancy, however, deals with a different multitudes of tools, rituals, and different ways to work with the spirits of death. So, um, when you go into working with the dead, the first thing that usually you have to do is learn how to make contact or communicate. This, this, however, is not as easy as what they depict in the theaters where you just sit there in, in a circle and you're sitting at a seance and a table and, and the table starts to move and somebody's calling on the spirits and the spirits jump through. That's how Hollywood makes it seem, but that's not necessarily what it is. You can, and you have to understand that the first thing you have to do when you work with the spirits of the dead is opening the doorway. You have to open the doorway. So, for example, those who fear the study and use of supernatural powers often warn that exploring this path will open doorways to worlds best not explored. This fear-mongering has especially been used by authorities seeking to keep the masses from increasing their own personal power. While this view of danger lurking behind every closet door and under every bed is naive to the true nature of the hidden realms of existence, the metaphor of the doorway is quite accurate. To work with the shades or spirits of the dead, the students must approach the spirit world with an open mind and be ready to experience levels of awareness that can unlock the hidden doorways of the soul. Now, that's very important part to really understand when you're doing this you're opening doorways from your soul to the spirit world as people call it that taps deep to the deepest aspects of your subconscious mind and to the parts within you that people will claim is the soul 
trafficking with the spirits of the dead offers us the ability to extend our intuitive senses and increase our magical power. When we welcome the dead to play a part in our supernatural workings, our visions become their aspirations and our wishes, um, and we become their, well, wishes become their commands. The dead can be summoned to perform such tasks as helping you to seduce the object of your affection, influencing the minds of others, reaching into the dreams of others, unwary and spying on people. According to some legends, the dead knew which where the lost treasures were buried. However, not much has changed. The spirits can still discover hidden opportunities and unearth profitable secrets. They can still convey magical talents, fame, love, and wealth to those brave enough to summon them. But to begin to work with the dead, you must be willing to surrender yourself to the arts of witchery, sorcery, immersing yourself in magic, and knowing that part of you will die in order to be filled with the powers of the spirit world. The Shroud and the Veil, Living with Witchcraft or Living Witchcraft. Establishing a pact between yourself and the spirits is only the beginning of living a spirit-filled life. You must be also you must also be willing to face your fears of the unknown and transform the fabric of your life itself. You must let me repeat that again. You must be also be willing to face your fears of the unknown and transform the fabric of your life itself. It is not necessary that you creep up and down the streets each night in tattered black robes and ghoulish makeup. The spirits recognize those who are different. Learning to distinguish yourself as a creature of wonder and mystery will show the spirits that you are one of their own. Working your magic in both the worlds of living and the dead can be challenging. The mundane fear, what they do not understand, and thus the witch has often become the object of that fear. Yet the, the reward for conquering your fear of death and creating a primal shift in your own reality is to obtain the passport to the realms of the dead. Right. Let me let me add something on that real quick, and I'm I'm glad you bring that up. Um, uh, you know, the term, even though you hear we're using this term, or you hear this term in this spiritual practice, uh, really it's actually opposite. Dead, dead is actually the living. The living is it really actually the dead. And as I said before, I mentioned I mentioned last week. Every day you live in, you're living closer to entering this realm that we're talking about. Because actually, we're we're born to die. Because when when we're birthed into this world physically and we start breathing, that's when we actually start dying. So these realms are connected. What what this is what this practice teaches you is there's no really no separation between what we know is these two realms, and we're just using the, the, the titles, the dead, the realm of the dead, and the realm of the living. It's interconnected. What this spiritual practice basically teaches you is how to connect the two. Now, one thing uh, that Ravana Nunu just mentioned, and the first steps, obviously, you, you can call it opening the door where you're making the connection. Um, it's very important to understand and prepare yourself mentally, one, two, Make sure you're conscious of the, uh, of whatever dead spirits you're going to be working with, especially if it's ancestral spirits. Right. Because, for an example, uh, you don't want to contact, say, a, say a relative that did something, you know, evil or bad, uh, or, or maybe did something personal to you. Because, especially when you work with bloodlines, it's very important 
to be very conscious of what you're activating. Now, we'll, we'll, if we, I don't know if we're going to be able to get into it tonight. We might have to do a couple parts on this. Uh, we'll get into some of the things you want to be cautious of, the, you know, the dangers and, and some of the things you might want to be careful of. But the key is first making the connection. Um, there's, there's many practices to this as far as setting up altars, working with certain spirits, uh, a variety of different rituals. But there was something else that I wanted to touch on that Rabana Noon said. This is not about wearing uh, black robes and putting on ghoulish makeup because, unfortunately, when you hear of the occult and, and a lot of these practices, especially amongst melanated people, they automatically gravitate to the European definition of it. And as we've explained in detail in the last several months, just like everything else we know had its origin in Egypt and other parts of Africa, so do these systems too. But these are the darker aspects of our existence that nobody really wants to talk about. And they predate all this fluffy shit that everybody talks about on a regular basis, peace and love and uniting with the universe. This is not a path of that. It won't be crystal clear on that. If you, if you think this is becoming one with the universe, that's fluffy light side of garbage. And that's only going to take you so far. This is about making that contact. The term that you heard us say earlier in the, in the, in the earlier portion of the show in the beginning tapping into the inner abyss or the dark aspects of your subconscious mind to become a real master, whether you're male or female, you have to go in deep and make contact with, on that with all levels. Not just, again, not just the shit you like, because we all like to just identify with shit that's basic and makes us feel good. I did my DNA test and I have a lot of uh, connection to this part of Africa, so now all of a sudden we're exclusively that. This goes beyond that, okay? And that's the difference between working these type of paths and others. Now, opening the doorway, okay? This is a term you'll hear in a lot of spiritual practices, opening the gates of consciousness, tapping into the black flame, which is the doorway to the gates of consciousness, okay? There's no turning back when you do that, and I want to be crystal clear. I'm not saying that. In, in a fear sense, I'm not saying that in a spooky sense. I'm not saying that to play off of people's emotions and scare them. Once you open that black flame, that doorway, that connection to this realm on all levels, there's no turning back. And what tends to happen is some people make contact. They might literally make contact with what we call demons, and we've discussed that term. I'm not going to get into that all over again, but we know what the real definition of that is. And or their shadow self, which that's a more fluffy term that I'm not really too keen on, and they don't embrace it. And the reason why I say when you open the doorway and make the connection, and if you reject, once you make that connection with your personal demons, that demon is going to stay around until you embrace it. I want to be clear on that, especially when working this type of practice. So when you open that gate and those ba- <laughs> and that, that spiritual energy and that connection comes through, you have to be open to embracing it. And once you're able to embrace it, as we're going to, as we're going to get into tonight, uh, once you're able to embrace it and work with it, it can do phenomenal things for you, uh, whether it's ancestral spirits of the dead, whether it's working with, uh, we did a show that was uh, similar and connected uh, to this um, when we did a series on working with the spirits of the dead. You'll see some similarities um, and You'll see some similarities uh, to some of the stuff we'll talk about tonight because it's kind of going a little bit more in depth from that topic. So this is very important to understand. It's not a joke. 
And this is not being said again to play off your emotions and, and instill fear, but at the same time, it's something that needs to be addressed because we run into people all the time on the record, yeah, I'm ready to do this, I'm ready to do this, and then we find out they're really not. Uh, and it's not, it's not a, I'm going to do it because it's the end thing to do. You know, I'm going to do it because, no, this is, you don't do this for that. You do this because you're making a commitment. And once you make that commitment, you got to keep that commitment. All right. So I just want to throw that in there. That's correct. And that's very important because many people do not understand that this is not like a hobby where you, you know, say, well, I'm going to play hopscotch today and that's my new hobby. It actually becomes a part of your everyday existence, part of your life. It changes your consciousness. It changes your perception. It changes everything about what you presently are, how you feel, think, or interact or react to things in life. So Brother Beniti sharing that is definitely on point and something to really pay attention about. Now, uh, he makes a mention here, Christian Day makes mention here in this section to body, mind, spirit connection. To conjure the dead, you must tend to your living earthly temple, which is made up of the body, mind, and spirit. Spirits are drawn to those built on strong foundations, not crumbling ruins of weakness and poor health. Now, that's important because... It's something that Benidi and I speak about constantly. People are constantly giving you the conscious, you know, uh, merry-go-round about how this and conscious that and that, but yet they're sniffling, they're fat, they're overweight, and, Can't you know, it, 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 you have to tend to your earthly temple first and foremost because when you work with this level of magic, witchcraft, dark energy, sciences, it can be a little energy draining. It can be consuming um, of, and zapping some of your energy. It's not like, you know, uh, you're just sitting there and you're, you're in, a, in a solitary moment where nothing is happening. This is an interactive situation that's occurring. And unfortunately, I see many occultists, many people who claim to be this, they're fat, fat chunky-ass motherfuckers. And, you know, that, that, I mean, come on now. You you can't be kicking all this shit, talking about this, that, yoga, health, this, that, and your ass is fat and overweight. You understand? Because that lets me know something right there. That lets me know that you're not really living what you're talking about. You're just talking. Right. When you're really about this, everything in your existence, you really pay attention to and take care of. I'm not telling you to become an exercise freak, a fitness guru, and, you know, go to the gym and and become some, you know, big bodybuilder. That's not the essence of what is being said. But you have to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Maintain mm-hmm. a healthy body, mind, and spirit, and you can forge links to the other planes of existence. Become and, an AP. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. On the health note real quick, and, and it's very important, too, as you get older. It's tougher as you get older. You're going you're gonna to find out shit. Some of you is probably listening can relate. You know, when you're in your teens and your 20s, you're like, you're like steel. I mean, you can eat any. I remember that age, shit, on the weekend, I'd hit a White Castle after the club or hanging out. You'd be with your boys and you'd polish down a sack of them motherfuckers and had no effect on you. But as you get older, 
and you really understand your metabolism and things of that nature, it becomes more challenging. And the important thing is the reason why we bring this up. It, it, it and you know, I'm speaking now, Ravana Noon, also same age, and we're in our mid forties now. So you got to approach this from a different perspective, especially as you get into the middle age of your life, because making a connection on working any spiritual practice, health is a factor because the better health that you have, your connection is going to be easier to make and stronger. But if, you're, if your mind and body is completely clogged with bad food and you're eating, you know, constantly uh, eating, you know, sugar and, and junk or, or you're not sleeping correctly or you're not getting exercise, you know, the blood's not circulating correctly, et cetera, all those things can hinder the capacity to make a spiritual connection on any level because the focus is not there, the, the concentration is not there, and, and, and the desired results will not, you're not going to get the desired results. So don't, don't downplay the importance of it. Again, like Ravon Noon said, we're not saying you need to go to the gym six, seven days a week, but get on regular exercise, you know, get, get, get on, you know, something consistent. Even though we don't talk about a lot of that on the show, we, we do talk about diet, blood type, we've got into that, but don't negate that. I just wanted to throw that in there um, since you brought that up. Right. That's important. Uh, and, and I hope people are taking note of that. Um, it continues here. It says, maintain a healthy body, mind, and spirit, and you can forge links to other planes of existence, becoming a beacon to the other side, a candle flame from which the dead can draw comfort and inspiration. Now your body's the living altar of your temple. Getting enough nourishment, exercise, and sleep helps to transform you into the proper vessel for the dead. Each time you summon the spirits, they take a bit of your life force. Thus, a well-maintained body becomes a battery for them to draw on. This process surely gives, gave birth to the myth of the witch's teeth, for which it was believed that demons would suck upon the sorcerer's soul. Now, this is one of the reasons why we went into vampire magic, because when you do work with certain levels of magic, you do have some level of energy drained from you. But a vampire uh, magician and a black adept understands that, so they seek to recharge their energy loss or drain by uh, learning to feed off the life force, the chi, the prana uh, that is all around us on different levels and multitude of different um, aspects of life. So this is one of the reasons we go into that, because when you work with the spirits of the dead, it can be draining and it can be consuming of your energy, but you have to know how to recharge yourself. And vampire uh, magicians, black adepts understand that science. For those who've been in um, Lakumi, Santeria, or Palo, or anything like that, you know when your, a spirit rides you um, or mounts you. After that essence leaves you, uh, sometimes you feel drained, like, what the fuck just happened to me? Okay? So pay heed to that part. Uh, countering spiritual forces stresses the body and can tire you out. The better health your body is in, the more prepared it is for working with the dead. Some psychics and some other individuals who deal with magic have said that increasing their B12 actually helps them to perform better spiritual work. So be sure to fortify your body with the nutrients as well. And yeah, Having real a quick. sharp mind, a stable mind, this is important. 
Not just exactly. a sharp mind, but a stable mind, strong in will and imagination, yet free of delusions and fear, is essential. Well, stop for a second. Yeah. Don't that that that's got to be stressed hard. Free of delusions and fear. Okay, fear. Because, like I said earlier, a lot of people say they're ready for it, but there has to be that certainty there. You can't have that doubt. You can't have that worry, that fear. We're not talking about that there's different types of excitement that can be, you know, determined fear. Not, not fear of the unknown, because that's a good fear. That keeps you sharp. We're not talking about that fear. Fear that something bad is going to happen to you. That's the fear you cannot have working with this type of energy. Uh, this sometimes is underestimated on a multitude of levels. The reason why, we haven't gotten into the portion, if we do or do not get into it tonight, the dangers of, of, of working with this energy. Because if you open yourself up to certain energy that you're not ready to be receptive to, this is what tends to make people go fucking crazy, literally go to the nut house, you know, schizophrenia, personality disorders. They start hearing fucking voices and all types of shit. Because what happened was they thought they were ready to, to embrace something and the energy consumes them and they were not able to assimilate it through their DNA and therefore now they might think they're uh, an incarnation of something or they think they're seeing things and they are because remember in their mind this is something that's being self-created. Uh, these are some of the dangers. We'll, we'll try to elaborate on that a little bit later if we do get to it in this show. This is what we mean from a scientific Okay, and from a mental perspective, strictly science and medical, the dangers. We're not coming from the spook, you know, perspective of it, but there is psychological, scientific aspects of it that you definitely need to educate yourself to uh, because you do expose yourself. Um, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, but I want to throw that in there. Fear, do not underestimate that shit. You cannot work with this if you have fear. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. If you have fear of this and you don't jump head on 100% certain, I'm just going to tell you don't fuck with it. That's correct. Now, <laughs> that's, that's really, really something that people really need to pay attention to. Brother Benitti just nailed it two times. After what was stated in the book, he nailed it harder even two times. I'm going to repeat that section again so you can understand why. Having a sharp, stable mind, strong in will, and imagination, yet free of delusion and fear is essential. Conjuring the dead, this is another important part, conjuring the dead is not a crutch for the desperate and lonely. Mm. Mm. Now, that's important to also understand because a lot of times people get into into witchcraft because they are desperate. They are lonely. And in Santeria, Lakumi and Paolo, we saw the extreme of that. Most people that I encountered never really got into any of those traditions because they really genuinely wanted to learn about it. Most of them got into it because they were facing some prison sentence, they were losing their lover. There was always some extreme situation happening in their life that drew them to that. So they never really came just because they wanted to learn. They came because they needed some dire, they were in dire straits and they needed some help, okay? So 
understand this is not just something you deal or get into because you're lonely or desperate or whatever the situation may be. Because it can backfire on you. Uh, Correct. You are dealing with forces that are often old and crafty. And your will must be as cunning as theirs if you wish for them to heed your call. The most important aspect of this is confronting your fear. Here we go again. Confronting your fear. Fear can usually be found at the root of most problems. Fear of death in particular can be a major hindrance to your travels between worlds. Allow your fear to rise to the surface. Confront your own mortality and slay the inner demons that blind you from the truth. Hmm. Correct. That's important. Very. That's very important. The problem um, is with, go ahead, brother. Bring it down. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The problem is with most people is that they 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 understand that they have fears, but they refuse to confront those fears. They'll keep making excuses for them, or they'll <sighs> not acknowledge them, and <clears throat> then they wonder why every time it seems like things are going good in their life seems to be sabotaged. Well, the person who's usually sabotaging your life is you because of your fears. That's Some right. people are even afraid or fearful of success. They talk about, oh, I want big bucks, I want to do this, I want to create a business, I want to invent this, do that. But they're afraid of their own success. They're fearful of being a successful person. And shit just right when it goes good turns not right. Okay? So understand that you have to confront those fears. And you have to slay your inner demons. Not the demons that we see in Hollywood and movies and, you know, these grotesque, hideous creatures that usually are created by your subconscious mind anyway from childhood events that uh, were placed in there. I'm talking about Demons in the sense of things that are your weaknesses, your issues, your drama, your traumas, your pains, your wounds, confronting those things because those things hold more weight over your life than most people can possibly imagine. They affect you in grand ways than you can possibly imagine. For example, you could have been five years old. And you were seeking attention from your daddy, but your daddy was so wrapped up in watching the Yankees or or football or whatever, and just because he didn't give you one moment of attention, set you on a downward spir- uh, spiral to become an attention whore. You go all over your life seeking attention, even in the weirdest places. You seek attention, and then you become extreme in your nature to seek that attention. Yep. And all because of your childhood when you didn't get that one moment of attention from your dad or your mom or whatever the case may be. And that right in itself leads to a complex situation in your life. And because you never faced it or confronted that, it rules you more than you think and can destroy your very life. That's correct. And let me add this to that real quick. And as we've talked about in, in, in previous shows, uh, that leads to a severe buildup of repression on the subconscious mind. Um, and this is what we mean, again, like you said, that would be the, the demons that we're talking about. All these situations and scenarios 
uh, that have built up from the, you know, the courses of our lives, as you know, as you said, when, since, since we were kids to the present day. And, and the sad thing about it is most people will say on the surface, oh, no, I've bypassed that. I, I've overcome that. Uh, that doesn't affect me no more. And they saying that consciously, but subconsciously, you can still see a lot of signs of the effects. And I, and I always use that metaphor, again, people that leave certain states of consciousness that go into what they have tricked themselves to believe that they're in a higher state of consciousness. Like I, I know so many, we all probably do, but me and, me and Ravana Noon know a, a gang of people who are so heavy into the Egypt thing, but they're so religious. All you got to do is just listen to them, watch their mannerisms, listen to the things they say and do. And they, you could still see that religious mindset, the effect of it embedded in their subconscious mind. Or look at the individual, like you said, that we all know that one individual that needs attention no matter where they are. And it could be in the most fucked up places in the most fucked up times. You're going to find out at some point that, as you use that example growing up, maybe not getting the attention from the mother or the father. And it, it's an act of repression. They, they, they act it out. Or, or the female that, say, for an example, can't understand the cycle, why she can't get out of bad relationships. She goes from one bad relationship to the next bad relationship to the next bad relationship. And it turns out 90% of the time she might have watched her mother going through that. And it trickled down to her. And then most of them will say, no, I'm not me, not going to happen to me. I'm not. But then they get engulfed in it. So what, what this is saying is, and, 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 and tapping into these higher sciences on any level, on any of these spiritual practices we've been talking about on the last year, sound mind and sound body. So the whole reason for going through this right now, you basically can't be fucked up in the head and not address that and not be in a sound mind and sound body and try to partake in some of these spiritual practices. This is where the dangers can come in because that has to be addressed. And if you go back to some older shows we did when we had Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum on, which I think it's been a minute, I would like to get him back because he comes from a medical aspect. Uh, that's one thing he stresses hard in his book, Dark Light Consciousness, is the, the health, the mental health aspect of the spiritual practitioner. And, and it's very important for you to be in a sound mind and a sound body for, the, for all these various reasons that we're talking about right now. Uh, but I want to throw that in there. And then when you get done, Ravano, and I want to go into making packs with some of these spirits. And yep. I want to connect that. Okay. Absolutely, because that's that's the part I'm leading to where um, he talks about making a pact. And I'll read his pact, and then you can break down mm -hmm. there even more. Um, yep. But let me say, let me continue with this. He says it is important to keep one's emotions in check. Not allowing the stresses and strains of everyday everyday life to consume you. A mind that is free of fear and sharp of thought is ready to understand the secret and silent language of the dead. Hmm. Now, discovering the power of your undying spirit, the most crucial of the three, will connect you to the very essence of the dead, who are creatures of spirits themselves. We are kith and kin to the denizens of the underworld. The key to this spirit connection is magic. Every time a witch, a wizard, or sorcerer performs an act of magic, he or she becomes more godlike and less human. Hmm. Hmm. 
Very, very, very interesting there because more godlike and less human. That's interesting. Yes, more godlike and less human because the more you do this, the more you do this magical work, the more it connects you to different realms of existence and realms of thought that take you onto a higher level that opens and expands your consciousness and your perception where you no longer think like a mortal. That mortal is caged within a certain person, place, or thing uh, paradigm, and they can never get out of that. So this continued work and discipline will break you from that mortal mentality and give you a more godlike um participation in life. As the witch evolves, he or she becomes more attuned to the guiding presence of the spirit forces around him or her. Our spirits yearn to fly across time and space and to travel as dignitaries to the kingdoms of the dead. For this to happen, we must set our souls free from the obsolete restrictions of antiquated religious dogma. A witch's spirit Let me say this shit is really hardcore right here. A witch's spirit bows to no one. (laughs) Now, now, people, that's very important to understand because some people get mad mad at us on the show because we don't bow to no one. We don't bow to, to, to people's personal opinions, whether you like us or not. We speak straight up. We let you know exactly how we feel through experience, not just some personal opinion, through our experiences that help expand our consciousness and our perception. We tell you exactly what we're thinking. Some people don't like that. Some people take that to heart. Some people feel they got to make comments on the sly or whatever the case may be, and we'll address that. We'll, we'll call you out. We'll go face up, and we'll address all these things. We don't have to get uh, childish and kid-like and get aggressive and violent. But, I mean, if people take it there, that's that's no problem. We quickly activate that warrior inside of us. But it's not necessary. We're grown folks. We're grown people. We could address things as grown people. So if you have the balls to say something, then you should have the balls to confront and discuss something. So understand, we bow to no one because as you do the work and you expand your consciousness and you bring forth your true self, not this superficial, illusory self that we think we created, that we think we are, that we have been conditioned to be the real self, you really understand there is no bound to people. You're the one that right. runs the show in your life. That's right. So this, the next section is called Letting Your Inner Witch Out. Witchcraft is both a practice and a way of life, as in any lifestyle, we immerse ourselves in it, in its elements, and embody its truth. In the case of the witch, this immersion dares us to be different, to be unique, and to live our lives in both this world and the world of spirit. Witches have a fascination with the dark and mysterious. Mm-hmm. We dance with the dead every day. Oh, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We honor them by draping ourselves in the black of night wearing spidery veils and such adornments as the silver of Hakati's moon, 
mourning jewelry, charms, and bones. Enveloping ourselves in shadow, we dress to impress the dead. Mm, that sounds... <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Spirits hate boring people mm, and would rather avoid them. If you want the spirit world to take notice, celebrate your nonconformity. Uh. That's right. The competition. Non conformity. Very That's important. right. Say it again, brother. Non conformity. See, a lot of people think they're non conformers or they're not conforming. Oh, yes, you are. You're conforming more than you ever really think. That's and right. that goes for these people who swear they're pro black and, and, and Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. Look, man, you're conforming more than you think. Because you actually are partaking in the system that actually was created to help create these little subversive groups to seem like you're actually fighting against something where you never really are. That's right. So understand. So that's the important part that people have to understand, as of which we do not give two shits by conforming. We live our lives as we see fit, and we do not try to be like other people. We are ourselves, which is unique in every way, shape, form, or fashion. So let's not forget, if you feel like you got to be like everybody else, if you feel you're wrong because you know, you, you're not voicing your opinion on what you really feel and you're just conforming to, you know, what, what African-Americans are saying you have to be like, Latinos are saying what you have to be like, Asians are saying what you then you're a conformist, and that's just the bottom line. You're a follower and you'll always be a sheep and the wolves will always take you and take advantage of you, bottom line. Yep, sheeples. That's right. When Big you time. allow your own unique soul to come through, you'll discover your inner witch an archetype of great magical power and wisdom. Now, I got a couple more sections, then we're going to get to the ritual pack, and then uh, Brother Benini is going to go in-depthly more into that. Keeping one foot in the real world. While it is important for the witch to keep one foot in the grave, so to speak, don't let the powers of death consume you. The witch must learn to balance the worlds of matter and spirit. While this book is about how witches can work with the dead, witchcraft is also devoted to life. And no book on the subject would be complete without urging readers to savor the living world of earthly senses. Hmm. This goes for you extreme motherfuckers who want to tell people that this world means nothing, that <laughs> nothing matters here. This is all an illusion. Well, you know what we so say just, that? just. Go kill yourself. What are you waiting for? If that's exactly. the case, just kill yourself right now. Save yourself the save yourself the time and energy. If you believe that, that your current existence physically in this world holds no importance on any level and it's not connected to your spirituality, I, anybody that comes to me with it, just kill yourself right now. Speed up the process. See, usually the people that say that, and I'm glad you said that, Ravana Noon, because usually the people that come from that perspective, usually they're very unsuccessful in life. Usually their life is a mess. They're struggling financially. Their personal life is a hot mess. So that, that's more of a crutch or a comfort to mask. Like it said, you have that one foot in the actual real world and one foot in the grave. What that's basically is another term for balancement. That's all it's basically saying is yep. don't, get, don't get so spooky and spiritual where 
they, you know, just like in any spiritual practice, you got people that are over Buddhists. You know, they want to sit and fucking meditate all day. And that's a cop out. They're trying to escape from something. That's uh, right. Just, just with this too, you know, don't, don't get so engulfed in this where you think, oh, I'm just going to be traveling through the realm of the dead, but yet you can't pay your bills. And no, 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 that's not how this works. This is saying stay grounded in reality. So if you right. think that the physical realm and being successful here and its connection to your development of your spirituality is not important, you just go kill yourself. That's it. Save yourself the trouble and the story. And then you can get to the realm of the dead, right? You'll get there faster. Yeah, you'll be there quicker and a quick fast. <laughs> now, let me just repeat that section again and continue. Favor the living world of earthly senses. The simple pleasures of the flesh are important aspects of the magical experience. That's right. Spirits are attracted to your life force. So enjoy your life. Right. Get out there. Feel the passion and vitality of every second of your existence. God damn, that can't be stressed enough. That's right. I can't tell you how many spookies I hear about. You know what I'm saying? Sure, humanity is your weakness. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. And people can't forget that part. You have to learn to live life. And not just get caught up in being so sorcery and witchery and all this. When witchery and sorcery celebrates life. So every part of it is a part of your existence. Okay? Tools, places, and times of power. Um, in the chapters come, you will find the mysterious trappings of the magical arts employed to enhance your personal power, aid in contact with spirit forces. Whether the task at hand entails a light, lighting a black candle, acquiring a human skull, or visiting a gra- graveyard at midnight in a dark moon, you will find that the proper tools and the right ambience are vital elements of magic. Witches are known to accessorize iron keys, graveyard dust, human bones, powders, daggers, and makeshift dolls stuck with pins are just some of the tools of the trade. However... Also realize that's not the only tool to trade. You can find any tool to trade, even going to antiques, flea markets, and anything else. Anything that you feel is appealing to you that can uh, be imbued with your essence is a magical tool. And that's that's important to listen to that inner communication because that's your super conscious, your higher conscious, whatever you want to. And I'm glad you bring this up because literally – this is something I do frequently, and I'm going to reflect back on two things. One, I was with you. For an example, if I'm in any of these type of stores or working with any of these implements, especially crystals, I don't even care what they're called or stones. I don't even care what they're called, what their purpose is. All I need to do is just pick them up, grasp them, and I can tell if it resonates, and I can tell what I need to use it for. But another thing you said, I've done this before. You might be out at a flea market. I was actually up in St. Augustine, and I told, I told you about this. I was in one of these uh, – like craft type of store that just sells a bunch of just miscellaneous stuff, uh, what you would call like more, more so a tourist shop. And it's still on my mind. I didn't, I didn't act on it because I was getting ready to go somewhere else, but I saw this staff with this skull and it had this green hair on it and it had these implements on it. And it immediately resonated with some spiritual work that I do. And I said, you know, I, I want to get this, but because we, we had somewhere to be, didn't have time to grab it. 
bring it back to the hotel because we will walk. And if anybody's been to St. Augustine or spent some time there, you know, you could basically, you know, get around by trolley and walk. You don't even need to really drive your car anywhere through there. Right. Uh, so I didn't want to carry it with me and then never went back and got it. But I'm saying you can find jewels in there. But if you're, if you're higher conscious, you're super conscious, whatever you want to call it, your inner being, we, all, we have many different titles for it. Never go against that intuition. If it's, if, it's, if it's communicating to you, like that's something, that's an implement I can work with, it's doing it for a reason, no matter how off base it might seem. Uh, so it's very, very important as you start working these spiritual practices and you start linking yourself in and you start connecting yourself spiritually, never, ever go against that inner communication. It's the most powerful tool that you're going to develop in working any of these higher sciences. Correct. Completely correct. Because many people think they have to do it a certain way because a book recommends it or this. No. you got to be unique in yourself and find what you vibe with, what you connect with, and give life to that in your workings. Okay? Your shit should not look exactly like so your altar, for example, should not look exactly like somebody else's altar. At the same time, your altar shouldn't look like some Mickey Mouse shit either. However... You know, your altar should be a reflection of you. It should be something that you are putting your spirit and essence into. You can tell when somebody does a half-assed job of putting an altar together, and you can tell when they really, really are connected and doing the work because their essence will reflect off of that altar, okay? So the death current. Virtually every exercise tool or ritual that deals with accessing the wisdom and power of the dead involves tapping into the cosmic force known as the death current, an energy that pervades the universe, passing through all of us and guiding us toward our own physical finality. It is similar to the yin element of the Tao, the destructive chaos from which all life springs and to which all life must return and to the Akashic Records, the Psychic Storehouse of All Knowledge, Wisdom, and even Emotion. It is through this vibrational current that the spirits of the dead swim, waiting to be reached through the gifted seership of the witch. Every second that the dead lived, everything they learned, every tear they shed, every joy they experienced, and all they have been resides in the celestial ties of the death current. Within this death current, you will find the witch channeling his or her life force to balance and connect with the forces of death. Now, this last part before we get into the ritual, last two parts, the dangers of spirit work. You can't break down everything as just doing spirit work without at least giving some warnings. You may be curious to know if there are dangers and pitfalls to interacting with the dead. The forces you learn to conjure in this book are not to be trifled with, nor are these pages to be skimmed over. You must be willing to learn and absorb the teachings before you attempt any form of conjuration or contact. The dangers are legion. If you enter into this intricate dance of life and death with the mind of a mere dabbler, you open yourself up to a host of possible complications ranging from fatigue, melancholy, and minor poltergeist disturbances to mental and physical illnesses and malevolent hauntings and even possession by malefic forces. It is of grave importance that you engage in this work with care. Do not be careless. 
Be of sound mind and body, nurture your spirit, and approach the work with both caution and determination, and you will succeed in opening doorways through which the dead can penetrate this world. Your inner strength will serve to protect you, and your understanding will be uh, a guide to you. With these warnings prowling about your mind, you may wonder why I would consider doing this sort of thing at all, never mind teaching it in a book. You may also question whether there are any tangible benefits to such work. The rewards and gifts of the spirits are limitless. Court the dead, and they will help you to achieve anything and everything you seek and enable you to strike fear into the hearts of those who would commit injustices to you, all while leading you to realms of consciousness where death as we know it does not exist. It is through these altered states of awareness that the witch discovers her her or his greatest reservoirs of power. Now the visionary state is next, and then... The ritual pact. Now, visionary state, you don't have to do this exactly like this. There's just an example where he's giving you, um, some may call it meditation or different things, but you'll understand the difference between a visionary state and meditation state. Okay, and this is something that he does, uh, Christian Day, the author of this book, he does to work with spirits of the dead. When you're about to learn, what you're about to learn is perhaps the most fundamental component of the magical arts one we will refer to throughout the remainder of the book. It is the mental key that unlocks the treasure chest of universal wisdom. I refer to this as the visionary state, an altered state of consciousness through which we connect with unseen forces and our spells take form and flight. It is also the method that witches use to walk between the worlds of the living and the dead. Now the exercise, entering the visionary state. Wherever... Whenever a ritual or spell you encounter in this book instructs you, well, anyways, all right, step one, find a comfortable chair where you can relax and connect to the spiritual forces around you. Step two, when you are completely seated, close your eyes and focus on your breathing. Allow your breath to become slow, deep, and deliberate. In your mind's eye, see your breath as a living force of energy, inhaling the powers of the spirit world and exhaling your own thoughts and dreams so that the spirits may experience them. Realize that the air you exhale becomes sustenance to the dead as they absorb your essence through your breath. While each inhale, with each inhale, the dead align with your life force. Your breath should continue this way over the course of the visionary state. Feel the uh, step three. Feel the fresh, the flesh of your body tingle as the death current begins to flow through you. Notice the changes that take place. Your breathing may become shallow, your limbs may become numb or tingly, and your heart rate may drop. Trust the process is like falling into a deep, dreamlike sleep, yet one in which you are still aware. Let your spirit release itself from the heaviness of flesh and bone, breath after breath, shower, slower, heavier, and deeper descend into the depths of the underworld. To define the state, you will now count to yourself from ten to one, when you reach one, say in your mind, I am now in a visionary state. I am at one with the spirit. They flow through me as I flow through them. Swim in the dark waters of the death current, feeling these currents within your very blood. You are now able to communicate with the spirits at the core of your body and so able to share in their memories and experiences. When you are ready to come back, count from one to ten and open your eyes. Now, that's just his version of a visionary state. The main difference between a visionary state 
in a, med- a meditative state is that a visionary state is an active meditation, and what people consider the common form of meditation is a passive form of meditation. This is an active form of meditation where you're totally involved in the process and creating the process. So that's the main difference. You can do it how you want, but just know before you do any uh, work, you should get into a certain different level of consciousness. Anybody who's done the work understands that sometimes you can uh, the ringing of the bell can alter your state of consciousness. Sometimes you do you have a maraca or a shaker that can alter your state of consciousness to get you prepared to do the work. Okay. The last part is the ritual pack, making a pack with the spirits. In order to open the doorways to the spirit world, your will must be strong, your determination unwavering, and your commitment to a mutual relationship with the dead resolute. There is no room in your mind for doubt, skepticism, or fear. The spirits can see through all that shit. You must know in your heart and in your soul that you want to walk the path of the witch and that this path includes the deeper understanding of the realms of the dead. The symbiotic bond between the living and the dead is at the root of what became known in the Middle Ages as the pact between witches and the familiar spirits. While the term conjures images of your soul being carried off by furies and devils, the reality is much simpler. In a sense, uh, you do sell your soul, but you sell it to yourself, not to some spooky shit. From the moment you were born, others have been exerting control over you. As a witch, you claim your own power to do what you choose to do, serving no master but your own will. Recognize you as one of their, um, the spirits will then recognize you as one of their own, a being of supernatural might and intelligence. It is only when they see you as a master of the magic arts that they will deign to consider working with you. The dead sometimes long for pleasures of the material world and fear being forgotten. Spirits become lost souls when no one takes time to remember them. A lost soul is a spirit whose life and legacy have been forgotten. Often adrift in obscurity, buried beneath the dust of time, the souls of the dead call out to be remembered. When a witch summons forth a denizen of the spirit world, he or she shares with that soul the spark of life once lived. And some people make offerings of food and drink or other indulgences of the physical plane. In turn, the spirit serves the witch. Now, last part, and I'll pass it over to Brother Beniti. Ritual of making the pact. You can have a page or parchment paper, a papyrus, or some form of writing material. Two black candles, a black table covering, an iron pot or cauldron, a ceramic towel to put the pot on, or if you have a, a cauldron that has a three tripod uh, or three legs on it, you should be fine. A garnet ring or some kind of crystal, a black pen, a medical lancet, and either photograph or mementos of deceased loved ones, friends, or of any spirits or archetypes connected to the dead. Then you set all this on your altar. And then you would go into the affirmation of, you could say whatever you um, want to or however you want to, but he gives an example of 
I, you say your name, son or daughter of, you say your parents' name, and then he has this here. Some of y'all may do this. It's up to you how you want to do it, but you can renounce all religions, dogma, guilt, shame, and all thoughts and feelings that would limit my powers. On this night, reclaim my soul, that I may embrace the full and unlimited might and cunning of the witch. Both the worlds of the living and the dead will now hear my commands and work with me as an equal among them. I offer my blood as a living sacrifice and a symbol of my ancestry to seal this pact. My breath and my free will are the only things to which I am subject by seal of my holy offering. Through the sacrifice of blood and fire, receive my witch's mark and consecrate my life anew as a creature of magic. That's his little thing. You don't have to do it like that, but uh, some people, the medical lance is just like a little thing that stabs you and takes your blood. You could use that. You could use your spit. You use your semen. Anything that is part of you, you seal it through your own essence, blood, or energy, and you seal that pact. You create a pact to work with them, and that's just one of them. Brother Beniti is going to go to uh, and discuss more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of information. Just a couple things I want to touch on uh, in the connection to that. I'm also, you know, in making the packs as far as working with, you know, altars, tools, implements. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit into detail of that, but there's something in in the section making packs with spirits that you should really focus on, okay? All right. The part here that said, if you back up something that you read earlier, in a sense, this system has nothing to do with selling your soul, but you sell it to yourself. That can't, that statement in itself, you need to reflect on that because that's the essence of this work. Remember, on this path, you're not, you're not doing anything outside of yourself. You're not doing anything that's not working with the self. When you're working with this spirit, this, this energy, and, and you're dealing with any of these spiritual practices, we, we, we keep stressing this. I can't stress this hard enough. One has to be clear and focused on the intent of what it is they're doing, what it is they're trying to do, and what they're trying to accomplish. Because as you heard Brother Ravonu read in that section and break down in the book, what is the purpose of doing this, right? So here's the thing. You're hearing all this stuff. We're going through all this information. You know, it's all, all right, this is this, this is that. But you got to ask yourself, question yourself, and you, and you heard Christian Day mention in the book, the purpose for doing it is because the rewards are immense when you start making the connection. And, look, we can attest to this from personal experience. Where Again, we're not, we're not the type of individuals that are going to sit here on the show and do three hours of our personal experiences because that would be boring as fuck to me. But we can attest from personal experience we are getting the results from it. We are getting the financial results. We are getting the physical results. We are getting the mental results, the emotional results, and the spirits. You get them on all levels, not in some spooky, mundane shit, but you are getting clear-cut results. You see you're grown. You start perceiving things differently. You, you look at stuff completely different, stuff that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. Stuff that you had a hard time mastering, now you simply master at the drop of a dime. So I'm bringing all this up because this is, should be your intent as you're working any of these spiritual systems, not, not for the purpose of, like it said, curiosity. And we know that old saying, curiosity killed the cat. So like it said, don't dabble in this shit because you're curious and you want to, you know, pussyfoot it and let me fuck around with this and see what it's about. 
You're not going to get no results. What did it also say? It said it followed up there with, that's when you open yourselves up to all types of mental dangers. This is why I said earlier, too, even before Ravana Newman read that, the dangers is you open yourself up mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to energy that you're not ready to work with. That's this is right. what causes, yeah, this is what causes the problems, you know, with that. Now, another thing to stress, as we have always said on the show, and as you heard him go through all that information, not necessary to do it, word verbatim like that, and, and we mentioned that several times. So as far as creating packs, implements for your altar. Now you're gonna you know if if, if you if you go in depth in the book and again I'm not gonna we're not gonna go through the whole thing. But setting up your altar, I, I like to basically do that on what's resonating with me. Anything that's connected to that type of imagery, energy, and the type of path you're working with, that's the that's the only way you need to really know how to do it. So obviously you know, having a skull on the altar is very critical yep. uh, because there's a lot of work done with that in, in a lot of spiritual systems. Uh, I, as we've mentioned before, I, I personally like to drape my altar in all black with no symbols, the cloth I'm talking about. Uh, some people like to, you know, have pentagrams on there or they like to have the triquerta or some other symbol. I think when there's too much going on, it kind of destroys the flow and energy of the altar. I find when it's engulfed in complete darkness and just solid black, there's more of a resonating power and energy that's projected from the altar. But again, that's just me. You might be a, a more of a symbolic uh, person that gets energized by more intricate things going on your altar, and that's fine. So if you need a more dynamic cloth that stands out, well, then that's what you need. But that just doesn't work for me. Um, You'll, hear, you'll see implements on here. Again, I'm not going to go through all of them. You'll see the bell, and the bell is always symbolic, as we've said, in a lot of spiritual work. That's just how it's a, 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 a gesture of summoning the spirits. Uh, in different particular orders, the number it's rung can resonate with whatever spiritual path you're working with. Five, one, three, five, seven, nine uh, usually have a significance uh, on a certain level. Um, Usually nine because it opens the nine gateways of consciousness or the black flame, uh, especially dealing with setian or set magic, as we as we went to the Typhoon set magic and things of that nature um, a few weeks back. You'll see, obviously, an athene or a dagger is always important in any of these spiritual rituals. Um, another thing, we didn't even talk about cleansing, uh, and I think in the very beginning of the book, he talks about you can cleanse your altar with uh, kosher salt, not sea salt, right. because it's you never work with sea salt when you're working with spirits of the dead. Kosher salt, because it's from the earth. Uh, he mentions kosher salt. I believe it's olive oil and something else. I can't remember. There's another, yeah. another implement. It's, yeah. it's in the very beginning. I can't remember exactly. I'll tell you, I have it right on the page here. Okay. Um, hold on real quick. You, uh, shit, where is it going? I know it's in the very beginning. Okay, somewhere. it's kosher salt, extra virgin olive oil. Right. And spring water. Spring water, that was it. Obviously, I can't forget the water. Uh, and, and that's just a basic implement to, to, to first clean clean it. Uh, and, again, you should never work with sea salt with, with uh, spirits of the dead because of the, the energy that it activates. Uh, but that's a, that, that's, that's a whole other story. So the implements, again, implements should be more self-created. You need to, you need to identify that. Don't, don't go into any book. And, and just rigidly put together your altar, 
based on what you saw written there because then it's not, you're not stamping it with your personal entity. Uh, but just make sure, and I've always said this because I've gotten emails on this. People always ask for setting up altars uh, as far as working with archetype energies, deities, and different systems. What should they not put and put not on the altar? And I simply say, as long as whatever energy you're working with, you can put anything on your altar as long as you're grouping those similar energies together. For an example, if it's archetype energies, you can put, uh, you know, Kalima of the Dravidian or Hindu culture with Sekhmet, for an example, because that's a similar energy. Even though one is dealing with an Egyptian archetype and the other is dealing with a Dravidian, but it's the same energy. energy. Correct. So I wouldn't put, for an example, Horus. <laughs> I wouldn't put, like, let's say, Horus with uh, um, Baron Samiti or something like that. That's, that's not something you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand? It just let, me, let me give an example because <clears throat> on my altar, I have uh, on one side of the altar, I have Anpu, also known as Anubis, and Santa Muerte together. Okay? That's the masculine and the feminine ending. Now, here's what's interesting. It just happened that I put it like that. The other day when I was speaking to Beniti, he mentioned that. I was like, oh, shit, that, that's just it just flowed where I had the masculine, feminine, death, current energy right, right. next to each other. Okay? That's right. So I have them two together right near each other. I have uh, a Kali. I have a Sekhmet. I have a Satuch or Set. Then I have a Baron Samedi. I have a Marie Laveau. Okay? Anybody who knows about Marie Laveau, she was a voodoo queen of New Orleans, and she dealt a lot with the spirits of the dead, okay? Um, I have them near each other. I have a skull. I actually have two skulls, one regular skull and a skull with a dragon, which is really interesting. And then I have a coffin, skeleton key, vampire or bat on a tombstone, and I have a crow on a tombstone. Basically, my whole altar is dealing with dark energies and death energy, death current. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that when I put it together, they lined up masculine and feminine. I wasn't even consciously doing it. Subconsciously, that's what led me to do. And that is on a black cloth, and the majority of the candles, 99% of the time are black or red. Black or red candles is what I mostly use. Okay? I don't use a lot of other ca- color candles unless it's, like, you know, dealing with finances or, you know, different things like that. Then I may use a green or a yellow or some shit like that. But that's mostly what I work with. But mm-hmm. everybody has to find their own little tool or their own little symbols that they work with that represent this darker energies, these death currents or things like that. Mm-hmm. And... It, there's no right or wrong way to do it other than make sure the energies are similar. You don't want conflicting energies to be near each other. Then you'll Correct. be like, what the fuck is going on? Why is shit conflicting my life? Well, hello, your whole altar is conflicting. You understand what exactly. I'm saying? And you that's important. that these energies are similar. That's important. Yep. That's, yeah, that's very, 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 very important. Because we get a lot of emails about that. I know I get a lot of emails about that. Um, so again, the key again, the key is to set it up your way. Put your stamp your personal energy on it. Now, 
We mentioned a lot of archetype spirits of the dead. You also have to factor in what we mentioned earlier in the very beginning of the show, uh, working with your personal bloodline or ancestral spirits. This yep. is important, too, uh, because that's the gateway and the doorway. You're going you're gonna to find out that's the first connection. And once you make that connection, it's going to open a multitude of doors on a multitude of, uh, you know, of levels. But, again, be cautious because you're going to find out, too, in personal experience, and, and, and I can attest to this. Remember, ancestral spirits of the dead that you can make contact with. You can make contact with ancestral spirits of your bloodline, uh, individuals that you never even met. And, you know, before you, when you were born, they weren't even alive when you were born. So people will get this a lot and say, you know, I contacted, you know, this 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 uh, relative from what I from what I knew, after identifying it either, you know, through pictures or you might have seen a picture of an uncle or an auntie or a grandmother, grandmother you never met, and all of a sudden they're starting to communicate with you through your dreams, uh, or when you activated your altar or your ancestral spirits. Now, one thing is to know and how, how the vibrations and the frequencies work and how these spirits connect, especially ancestral spirits, they tend to connect with like, similar mind and vibration. So you might say, well, why is my great, great, great grandmother trying to communicate with me when I never even talked with her a day in my life physically? Well, very simple, because you have the same, you know, vibration and spirit, and she can connect with you on this realm more than she can with anybody else. So you just happen to be, right. the, you know, the one that's the closest. So that's important to understand because you need to identify Then there are some spirits that do come through and they need to use a vessel to get here. And unfortunately, they're not here for good reasons. Mm-hmm. That, needs to be, <laughs> that needs to be identified too. This is all connected and working. And the reason why we're going through all this making packs with the spirits, setting up altars. You know, you got the ritual a couple of minutes ago, uh, a brief generalization of how to activate these spirits, how to activate this energy. So now the key is being smart and identifying it and knowing how to work with and what to work with and knowing some stuff you just might not want to deal with and just leave alone. But the only way you're going to know what to leave alone is by being able to identify it, obviously. So this is critical. Don't. This is not something you do again. And we don't want to sound, you know, you know, religious and militant. But this is not something you do. You got to be well prepared in doing this. And, I, and again, I can't stress that enough because we don't want to. We don't want to just be the type of uh, individuals that, yeah, you know, just throw you to wolves, you know, and 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 just yeah, you know, don't worry about it. It'll work itself out. No, no, no. You need you need to prepare yourself. I don't care what anybody says. Anybody can sit there and come along and say any simplistic shit like, oh, no, no, well, it's this and it's that. No. Prepare yourself. Get as much knowledge and information as you can. So this is the only way you're going to go into working with the spiritual system confident. Now, we mentioned, again, throughout since the beginning of the show, many different spiritual paths that I want to say just, well, connected in a sense. I guess you can use that word, but a lot of similarities. We, we mentioned, you know, uh, Paulo. We mentioned some, some aspects of Ifa, uh, because especially in the West African traditions, you're going to see a lot of similarities in a lot of the, the practices we're talking about tonight. A lot of them resonate with the West African traditions, uh, even though it might be something now that's popular here in the West 
or, or Western mysticism, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. But you're going to find a lot of similarities in those traditions. You'll see it, uh, you know, when you go through uh, some of the older shows we did on, uh, you know, the Petrolojas of the Vudon Pantheon, uh, which, again, that's very heavy in working with spirits of the dead, and we just mentioned a few. Uh, and then last week's show, let's connect a little bit of that, PAX, since we're on the topic of PAX, and we, we will go to the phones shortly, about probably the next 15 to 30 minutes. So uh, you might want to start getting your questions ready. You might want to start uh, getting your comments ready. And uh, we will take some calls shortly, so we just wanted to throw that in there. Um, we talked about last week, La Santa Muerte, or the Holy Death, as people may know on the surface. Uh, and PAX is, since we're on the topic of PAX, and again, you know, I can only attest, Brother Ivana Noon can only attest, to the actual results and experience that we, that we have gotten, you know, working with these spirits, especially, you know, the holy death, especially recently for myself in the last six to eight months. Um, this is definitely a, a, a spiritual energy that you want to be clear on your packs with. Um, when you heard mentioned in this book, and I forgot what section it was, which is irrelevant, um, about keeping your packs, you know, and about being clear on what you're trying to do, where shit can go awry. And this is 100% correct. And this particular archetype energy, the holy death, this is one of those. It's one of the, the you know, if, if, if you do things with a focused intent, the results are just limitless. And trust me when I tell you the result, I could be here all night telling you the shit that's happened in the last six to eight months on a financial level, as a whole shit, spiritually, mentally. We could be here all night just talking about that, but we're not, again, we're not going to do that. But the point being is, if you're focused on your intent and you keep your packs, the results are tremendous. So don't never approach, because this is, the holy death is probably one of the most powerful archetype energies yep. that one can work with. And I, I can't stress that shit enough. Um, and I, I found working with this particular energy in this system, and you can incorporate a lot of things that we went through tonight as far as practices, and, and, and get great results from this uh, on any level. Um, most of the spirits of the dead, as far as packs, okay, are concerned, this is a very fundamental practice that you're going to find in, in working in any of these systems. Packs is important. Don't underestimate it. Now, let's talk about real quickly the different methods one can, you, can use to make packs. You say, well, exactly how do I make packs or how does that work or how is this done outside of some of the things? Well, hit real simple. Um, I can, again, test to some of the things I do. One, some people like to get parchment paper, as it was mentioned earlier, and, and, and either with dragon's blood or a dragon's blood pen I'm talking about, okay? We'll be clear on that shit. Or, as I mentioned, a certain type of black ink, like to write your pack out on a parchment paper because what they – say in a lot of spiritual circles is that leaves a lasting impression on the subconscious mind. It just enhances the pack. And then some like to roll that parchment paper up and place it on the altar somewhere. Okay, that's one way of making a pack. Now, a more spiritual way that I find works very effective with me, uh, I like to incorporate my chalice in this aspect of making packs. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Usually at some point in the ritual, depending on what I'm working, it could be in the beginning or it could be at the end. It just depends on the type of work you're doing. I like to charge my chalice up 
with my own personal energy, and I do this on a multitude of ways. I'll tell you how. Uh, whatever elixir or liquid you have in there, and it's usually good to create something exotic, a mixture of something. It could be a little bit of alcohol. It could be a little bit. I like to take a lot of fruit and Caribbean drinks and, and add a little alcohol to it. It should be something exotic that when it hits your taste buds, it automatically enhances the moment. Again, there's a lot of symbolicism in this, so pay attention. Um, I like to, again, and he mentions it in this book here, but other, you'll, you'll see this mentioned in a lot of spiritual circles. Anytime you're charging up the spirits of the dead, I like to go over my chalice counterclockwise. That's the motion of working with these spirits. Not clockwise, counterclockwise. This is a symbolicism of that because when you're going counterclockwise, you're opening the doorways up to these realms of the dead. Clockwise is dealing with the realm that we're in now. A lot of symbolicism. And then drawing sigils or symbols over your chalice before you actually partake of the liquid. Um, it could be a pentagram. Uh, I tend to use the saw symbol, which is very powerful because it adds an enhanced energy, the saw symbol of ancient Egypt, or any other sigil or symbol that you might feel resonates with you, or even one that you might have, an original sigil symbol that you had in a vision or other spiritual work in which are going to be even more powerful than the ones that you know on the surface. Uh, and then when you engulf or, or partake of the liquid, you can make your own verbal affirmation to whatever energy you're working with. I, you know, I partake of this elixir to signify the pact or the agreement between, except whatever, whatever you want to say. And by, by partaking of that, through the chalice of charging it, you're, you're making that connection. And, and it's enhanced, again, by you, you know, you're, you're visualizing this and playing this out as you're actually doing it. Uh, and that's the importance. Now, again, I want to say this, okay, this is, this is important. Definitely want to add this in there. It starts to get to the point, we had this conversation, uh, me and Brother Ravana, in the last couple of days. Once you start doing this, you're going to find that this come, becomes naturally embedded in you. Because remember, what's, people say, what's the purpose of doing all these rituals and all this stuff? I understand, but what, what's the point of doing it all? Real simple. Rituals transform the psyche, okay, the subconscious mind. And as we've said on shows, when you go back to the very beginning of the shows we did, real black magic is manipulation of the subconscious mind. You're going to find out as it becomes embedded in your subconscious mind, you're going to have to do a lot of these things physically, less and less, right? Let me give you an example, and this is a true story. I told, I told, told Ivan about this this morning. <laughs> I, I had to get two crowns uh, on my teeth. Yeah, everybody knows what a crown is. And, you know, even if you have insurance, that shit is not cheap. And not that I did not have the money, but I'm driving this morning to go get my permanent done, and I had to get three fillings done. And I was prepared to pay Four hundred and something dollars after all the insurance and everything was deducted, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm driving the whole way there, and I'm just mentally focused on. I'm not paying this shit, man. I'm not going to pay no four hundred something dollars. That's all I kept saying in the subconscious as I'm driving. Twenty minutes there, boom, bam, bam. Kid you not, not in no spooky sense. And we only share personal experiences when it's irrelevant to the topic we're talking about. As I get to the counter to check out lady says $97. The, the insurance wrote the rest of it off. I didn't give a fuck why. I didn't ask why. I don't care why. I don't want to know why. I paid the $97 and I bolted and end the story. And it's over. That's it. You, I, you don't even question it. I knew why, but at the moment there, I'm not going to question 
what was actually partaking there. I already knew why in, my, in, in, in the psyche because this is how when you're doing a lot of these practices and they become a natural part of your subconscious mind, and we had this conversation today, you're going to find out that you don't have to do you're going to be doing a lot of this stuff less and less physically. Occasionally you'll need to go do it just to recharge the psyche. But it becomes ingrained and stamped in the subconscious mind where you can get results like that. It's not bullshit. The only way you're going to know it's not bullshit is when you actually put it into practice and you start to get the results. And that's why we say it's about doing the work, living the experience, not reading about it. And what confirms all that is the results. So long story short, if you're running into all these conscious people that are sitting there boring you to death with three, four-hour historical lectures on Egypt, all right, bottom line is what's, what's the whole point? What, what, what results, other than a history lesson, that's only going to benefit you on, to a certain extent, what's the point? So what we say on this show is if you're, if you're, you're uh, practicing any spiritual path and you're not getting consistent results, you might want to question yourself or what you're doing, why you're doing it. And, and, you know, if you're not getting those consistent results, you might want to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? You know, why is this not manifesting for me? Why am I not able to evolve on this path? You might be that individual that constantly, we got some people, no matter what they set out to do, it always turns to shit. There's a very simple explanation for that. Let me say it again. You have a lot of people that practice a multitude of levels of high spirituality, dark spirituality, if you want it. But no matter what they set out to do, it just turns to shit. And you're going to find out 99.9% of the time, the reason for that is, is quite simply their intent is not focused. And they're already going into it defeating themselves before they even begin. So when we're talking about intent, preparation, being in sound mind, sound body, don't, don't, don't take those things as being not important or they're, they're very basic. As basic as they might seem, they are critical. And, and look, I can tell you this, and I had this conversation with Renan, I got lazy with my, with my physical stuff for a while. And I told him this, so the last couple of years, you know, I started going back into the gym. And energy level, all that shit is true that they say. Energy level increases, mental awareness increases. Because think about if you're, if you're doing things to enhance yourself physically and you really got the mental aspect down, just think about how powerful that is if you combine the two, how, how, how energy-wise on all levels, it's just going to enhance the spiritual work you're doing. So don't negate any of that shit as being mundane or not important. Because like we said, look, it's not to knock, we're not, we're not knocking anybody that might be struggling with their weight. We're not knocking anybody that might be sick or ill. We said that earlier just to basically say, look, we've got to be living examples of the information and the spiritual work we're doing. So if we're talking about health, let's just, just keep it real. You can't be, I've literally had dudes try to, try, try to educate me on health and, you know, my motherfucker can't breathe. He's wheezing. He's overweight. But you want to tell me what I need to do to get myself, come on, bro, come on, stop. That's what we're talking about. So, you know, be a living example of that. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that because uh, I, I guess soon we will, we will go ahead and start. Uh, taking some phone calls and things of that nature. Yeah, just one last quick thing. Uh, another reason why we go over necromancy is because, in essence, when you really get down to the the bottom line of witchcraft, sorcery, magic, whatever the hell you want to call it, in essence, you are dealing with necromancy on, on some shape, form, or level. 
in all of your workings. And if you understand necromancy and its foundation and its basis, it enhances your work uh, tenfold. So understand, even if you're calling on archetypes, right, and even if you thought or felt that archetypes physically existed at one point in time on this planet, they're no longer physically here. They would be a part of the death current. You understand? Mm. This is why in every essence of your magical workings, you are dealing with some level of form of necromancy. So uh, black magic in its essence is dealing with not just the death current, the life current, but it's dealing with the darker currents of all that. So this is why we go over that. This is why we um, keep speaking about it in a couple of shows now is because you have to understand death and life is simultaneously the same thing, just appearing to be in reverse. But in reality, they're just the same thing. Okay? That's right. That's right. Uh, and that's a good point. And we did, we did reiterate that a little earlier. Uh, there's no distinction you know, between these realms. It, it, could, it could appear that way. Uh, and, and again, I don't like that term, unfortunately. It's just a, it's just a standard term, death. Because as we said before, whether it was the series we did on working with the spirits of the dead, whether it was uh, last week when we were, we were working with uh, the holy death, and now today, necromancy and black magic, uh, it's, it's, it's key to understand death is really on that level or that realm of representation of eternal life, okay? You know, we, we need to understand that for the simple fact, because as it said earlier, in essence, what you're selling your soul to is yourself. Yep. I mean, that's a powerful fucking statement. You know, think, think about that for a minute. So to all those that might be in doubt, like, all right, this sounds a little too much for me, or this, this sounds a little bit off the wall, or this sounds, because you, if you feel that way, you're still fucking religious. No offense, but that's, that's the reality. You're still spooked out. Yep. You're still religious, and you still have that fear embedded in you because all this is, again, is just a, a representation of you tapping into the inner and the darkest abyss or aspect of your subconscious mind. These are, these are things that people don't want to talk about. These are, people, these are things, even in, in spiritually conscious circles, I mean, all these Egyptian cats, they don't want to talk about this shit. They want to all be Horus and fucking, you know, Ra and, and, you know, it's basically another religion. That's all that shit is, man, the most high. What the fuck is that? Like I said, I ask them all the time, the most high of where and what? You say you're not religious. You say you don't believe in the white man's ideology. You say you don't believe in the fictitious European concept of a god or a deity, but yet you're still using verbiage as the most high. It's fucking religious. I don't care what perspective you're coming from. It just goes to show that you're not really in tune with your higher self. It still goes to show that you're looking externally outside yourself for salvation. And that's a lonely path because people that are on that right side, right hand, fluffy, you know, external path, they're in constant journey forever searching for something that doesn't exist. They spend their whole life doing this. Here's the thing, and think about this shit, and ask a religious person this and watch the look on their face, and they don't want to address it because they don't want to acknowledge the possible reality of that, and it is a fucking reality, trust me when I tell you. 
Ask a Christian who's devoted their whole life to this heaven and hell concept, this Jesus and God concept. What if they died and realized there was no heaven? There was no God. The God that they've been teaching them about their whole life. There is no Jesus character. What if they didn't find this out until the moment of death? Then what? Most of the ones that fear will come with a ridiculous answer. Well, no, no, I know. You don't really know. You've got faith and faith only. You've got to have faith on certain levels, but let's be real. you also got to have some reality-based facts to back it up. And th- these are the things that instill fear or blocking an individual from working with this path. And the last thing, something that we've said strictly the last several weeks, and Ravana Nunez touched on it earlier, and, and I, this is one thing I forgot. We, should, we definitely should go back real quick and address this. One does have to give up all their personal ideologies, beliefs, faith systems, like it said, one of the pe- one of the rituals you were reading where it said you can renounce, uh, you know, you can renounce your uh, religions, religions, religions or, right? All that shit. I would recommend that. Uh, it's a good thing because you can't approach the spiritual work successfully, okay, if you still have that logged in your mind. And again, we used another term in tapping into the isolated consciousness. One has to be able to separate themselves from everything that's had a strong influence over them, and it's a lot of those aforementioned things. So I didn't want to forget that before we, uh, uh, you know, um, went to the phones, because I think that's a real, real important, uh, you know, aspect to address, okay? Um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, so, um, I think we we went through we went through a lot. I think we're probably gonna have to do another part on this because there's there's some other aspects. And obviously, what we've been trying to do lately is keep the show two to two and a half hours. Sometimes, you know, if it's flowing, it might go longer. We don't want to overkill. We don't we don't want to throw too much at you at one time because then it doesn't sink in. It doesn't absorb. Uh, and one good thing I know that I've that. I'm sure Ravana will tell you the same thing. A good practice to do is, as you're growing on the path, when you take in a lot of information, it's always good afterwards to sit down and quiet and just reflect back on it and absorb it. Because sometimes we don't do that, and it doesn't sink in. And sometimes we just get overloaded with so much shit, we just don't remember anything. Um, so we've, we've been keeping conscious of that, because, you know, we used to sometimes go to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, but... We, we found that that's overkill, so we're not going to do that no more. Um, we want to keep this consistent, and in that consistency, or change is growing, okay? All right, so if you are on the call, just to go over a couple, uh, you know, cases, I don't know what the fuck has been going on lately, man, but we've been trying to get to the phones, and we've been having major problems. Um, so, again, if your phone is muted, please make sure it's unmuted when we plug you in. Uh, we do encourage you, again, to register with TalkShoe.com. It's free. There's no charge. We see a lot of you uh, in the chat room. You do have your registered screen name, which is a beautiful thing because it's easier to address you when you have a registered name. Beautiful thing. Uh, the complication comes in is when we go to the phone lines and we have people on, again, from the same state, uh, which is the case tonight. When we, when we plug you in, just speak if you're from that state, and if you're the one that we queued in, we'll be able to hear you. But again, it's it's really easy. Just take take that quick minute uh, before next week's show and and just register with with TalkShoe.com. 
get you a free screen name. You can make it anything you want. Juicy Booty Number Nine, you know, Fluffinator Seven, whatever the fuck you want. But at least, at least, at least we can address you. You understand? If you are on the chat right now and you're not on the call and you would like to participate and get on the call, um, you can dial in at seven two four 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 seven four 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 again. The number seven two four 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 seven four four four. It's gonna ask you for an ID and the ID you wanna pop in is one three four seven seven eight pound. Again, that's one three four seven seven eight pound. That's the call ID. And then it's gonna ask you for a PIN number and it's just simply the number one and the pound symbol and then that'll get you on the call if you actually want to get on the phone and uh, ask a question or a comment or something you want to add to the field, uh, by all means, feel free to do that. A lot of interesting stuff in the chat. So I'm going to go ahead and start there first, man. We got a lot of people chatting it up tonight, which is a good thing. Uh, we like the dialogue. All right. Uh, and I believe uh, BZ Ho, shout out to BZ Ho, chat, uh, came in early and typed in some stuff. Um, haven't been here in a minute and uh been getting getting uh their shit together and I mean that's a good thing. Uh so it's always good to hear people, you know, taking care of themselves and, and, and putting things in order. Uh Seth Appen, I wanna I wanna show a couple comments that he typed in some questions. I wanna address that. Uh, some good stuff. Uh he had typed in earlier, what is the difference in contacting the ancestral spirit of the dead? as opposed to the spirit that is not in your ancestral lineage. And real simple, and, and I'm sure Levada Noon can probably give you his experience, uh, I find it's only just a varying degree of energy. All right? It's, it's different in how, it's, how it resonates and vibrates. An ancestral spirit that's connected to your bloodline and your family, uh, to me, the connection and, 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 and the resonation with it is different than say a uh, archetype energy or 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 a deity of the dead, um, the representation of it, the power. Um, for an example, if say you're working or you have contacted your grandmother, uh, and say you're working with the holy death. Um, to me, the only thing I notice the difference is the vibe of the energy. Uh, I notice when it's an ancestral energy, it seems a little bit more personal. It feels more family-orientated and connected, obviously. Uh, and I think it gets a little bit more in-depth on a personal level. Whereas, to me, archetype energies of the dead ain't really concerned about your personal shit, period. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're summoning them and working, working with that particular energy, they're going to, they're gonna, if you do it right, they're going to go ahead and address the shit you summons them for. So if it's for change, if it's to uh, maybe improve health, remove an illness, or if it's the better your life. Here's the thing to be cautious of, though. Some people will do that, and it finds out. It breaks up their marriage. It breaks up their relationship. Or it makes them leave a job and go to another job. Because remember, one thing that you need to be very knowledgeable of in this is this brings about change you need, not change you want. It's two different fucking things. So that's the difference I would say. I'm, I'm sure Ravonna Noon can probably tell you his experience. Yeah, well, I'll add to that. When you work with familiar or ancestral spirits or energy, basically there is a big difference in it insofar as that it feels um, 
that's why they use the word familiar. It feels like a spirit or energy that you're familiar with. It's like, okay, this this something I'm familiar with. I could sense like there's something here I could, I'm connected to, uh, as opposed to some other kind of spirit where it seems a little, um, uh, it could be, what's the word I'm looking for? It can be a little uh, hectic energy. It could be a little chaotic energy that you're not familiar with. So this is the, one of the ways you actually start to realize which spirit you're working with. Like uh, for myself, I can sense when my grandmother is nearby because I feel this, um, I feel energy around my heart. And it's a different kind of feeling than when I feel like, oh, okay, there's another spirit. And then I get a chill up my back. So that's sometimes how I can tell is the, depending on where I feel the energy at. So that's, that's all I can really tell you. Each person is going to feel it differently. Um, but one thing you do is when the spirit is there, you must speak to the spirit, not be afraid of it, and you can address it and make the spirit identify itself because it has to literally identify itself. That's another way to so you don't guess on these things. This is how you actually will figure it out. Now, now also let's let's also be be conscious of this when when you contact uh, and open these realms. Remember, it said open in the doorway. We've all heard of specters, ghouls. Uh, what are they? Uh, it's very important to understand a specter. And you can even go into uh, a lot of Alan Kardec's spiritual writings who deals with the science of what we call spiritism, which has been a popular practice amongst uh, Santeria practitioners. Uh, most people that deal with uh, spiritism that's connected to Santeria or Ether in modern day uh, are very familiar with the writings of Alan Kardec. Um, but it's not just in his uh, writings, but you'll find in a lot of circles of spirituality you have uh, beings that are called specters that can actually, you know, tap into and read your subconscious mind. Why am I telling you this? Real simple. You, dealing with these spirits or identifying them, and you heard Rabbanu just mentioned that, and, and also connecting to Seth asking this question, they can or do have, I want to say they can, they do have the ability to appear how you want to see them. Because sometimes you're going to find you might be in a deep meditation and you might be summoning these, these energies and what you think is a vision of, say, your great-grandmother, you'll find out when you focus hard, the image of that face might change or transform into some other type of uh, whatever it looks like. That's usually the specter now being revealed. So be conscious because... You could be connecting with this energy, and, and, and even Christian Day talks about it in, in the um, Witch's Book of the Dead and identifying the spirits and, uh, you know, being careful of what you conjure up and work with because that will come too. And that's why I said earlier it's very important to be prepared to be, pre you know, get as much knowledge as you can because the only way you can really, you know, prevent or work with that and make the adjustment is being able to identify it. Because if you can't identify it, then how are you going to work with it? Um, so that's why I bring that up. So that would kind of be the difference to that. Uh, and I know you had some other stuff you typed in, but I'm going to rotate. I'm going to get back to the chat. There's actually a lot lot of stuff typed in tonight. Uh, so I'll go through it as much as I can. Um, but 
That's a very good question, uh, Brother Seth Atma. So hopefully that that helps that part of your question. All right, let's go to the phone line. Again, phone if your phone is unmuted, please unmute it. All right. Uh, let's see, who do I got to call here? Let's go to Southwest Florida. Anybody there from Southwest Florida? Anybody there? Southwest Florida. Going once, going twice. All right. If if you are there, just just say uh, you just listen. If you are there, if you're having, if we're having problems with the phone, I don't know, just so we know. Uh, let's take the next call. Let's try uh, Nurse Dread 76. Are you there? Can you hear us? Anybody there? Nurse Dread 76. Pretty cool screen name. Anybody there? Can you hear us? Oh, peace, peace, brothers. I'm just listening. I just got on a little late. No problem. We appreciate it. All right. All right. All right. Let's. Uh, First red. It's a pretty cool fucking name. Sticking in my head. All right. Uh, let's go back to the uh, chat log. Let me scroll up here. I'm just going to kind of go in order. All right. Here's another question. Seth, I'm just kind of going in order here. Uh, and he types in, I know of people who deal with the spirits of the dead who constantly consume stuff to dumb themselves down. They say this prevents accessibility of certain spirits. Complete bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why. Complete garbage, complete spookism. And this is obviously coming from a mindset that still lies in the back of their mind is, is, is fearful. Okay? Uh, there's really no evidence or factual proof that you can consume stuff to dumb, dumb yourself down to prevent the accessibility of, of spirits. Now, you might say, well, I know people and they've gotten a result. Really, it's them that are doing it. They're not really, they're not really doing anything but strengthening their, you know, psychic self-defense, for lack of a better word. Um, because the only thing that can happen or not happen is what you allow. Let me say that again. Nothing external is going to prevent that from happening or not happening. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Okay, building up your psyche, and you hear that term, you know, strengthening or, or use your psychic self-defense, that's the key right there. So you can, all right, you can take any herbs, you can take certain physical things, but what are you really charging it with anyway? You say, well, I take this particular thing for this because it's said to, hit, to, to work on this particular condition or situation. It's just like anything else in life. We talk, we, you hear us a couple of times, you know, make reference to the placebo effect, right? It's all in lies in the subconscious mind. So nothing as far as, quote, unquote, I don't even like to use this term because it's fucking religious, evil or negative spirits, you know, getting into you can only come into you if you have a weak mind. It's that simple. And that's why we said earlier when he was talking about a lot of the things as far as prepping yourself you know, being in the sound mind, sound body, et cetera, all that connects to that. So nothing can happen to you unless you open yourself up to it. So let me, here's the thing. If you're a weak-minded person, okay, you could take all the physical implements you want. That's not going to stop accessibility of any type of energy. I don't care what the fuck you think. I don't care what concoction you put together. That's not going to stop or prevent that energy from flowing. The only thing, it, the only thing it's going to affect is how well you flow with that energy 
and the effects that it has on you to what level. If you're in a fucked up state of mind, obviously it's not going to have a good effect for you personally. But if you're in a positive state of mind and you're able to really absorb and work with that energy, then you're going to get, you're going to reap great benefits from it. So taking something to dumb yourself down, I mean, that's to me is ridiculous because that's just to me somebody that's not prepared to work with the energy or that's still kind of subconsciously, whether they're conscious of it or not, still has a fearful state of mind. Uh, I don't know if you want to add something to that, Brother Vonnegut. No, I'm good. You hit it on that. <laughs> yeah, you eat. That's what you're doing. I can hear it. <laughs> I say you're good. You hit it on the head. <laughs> okay. All right. So that was a good question, though. Uh, so you might want to you might want to share that with those people that told you that they may not like that answer, but you know, as 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 we said earlier in the show, it's not about not about liking and disliking. That shit is personal. So you wrestle with that in your personal time. We're not interested in that. Uh, anyway, let's go to the next call we have in the queue. Here is uh, says Central Indiana. You are on the call. Do you have a question or a comment? Central. Yeah, what's Indiana. going on, fellas? Can you hear me? What? We got you, man, loud and clear. It's good to get a call, crystal clear, man. Uh, yeah, man, I'm following you to talk to you, man. I usually call y'all when I'm at work, man, but uh, no problem. Now I got I got Thursdays off now, so I'm happy. Cool, to cool. Oh, cool. I had a, I did have a, like, um, when I first started putting my, my, ancestor, my ancestor altar up, mm-hmm. um, I started seeing these uh, orbs. I was kind of, like, curious about, what could they be, or or what is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, orbs are something very, very, very common. Uh, you'll find uh, that tend to manifest in in a, in a multitude of spiritual systems. Uh, you'll you'll see uh, pictures of this. Uh, we had a temple uh, back in 2009, uh, and we did a ritual. Uh, it was a drumming ritual, actually. A lot of energy that we conjured up, uh, powerful vibrations. And we snapped some pictures of the event afterwards. We took some group photos. And you'll, you'll find this common. A lot of people have done this at gatherings. Um, and in those pictures, you can see these, uh, you know, orbs, these little white dots all, all over the pictures. Uh, and, and these are things you can see in your practices and meditations. Basically what they are, these would be what somebody would call the, the energetic or the etheric, etheric aspect or the vital life force aspect of a lot of these ancestral spirits. You're just basically seeing with the, with the physical eye, and some people see them, some people don't, with the physical eye, uh, just an a, a energy aspect of these same bands. Because remember this, this is a fact. And when you get into any spiritual circle, you've got to apply the scientific aspect of it. Everything is just vibrating energy. It's just on a multitude of levels. So basically the orbs, you're just seeing these same energies just vibrating at, at, at just such a high resonant frequency that when you, when you train yourself and discipline yourself, one is just able to see it with the naked eye. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's something that is common, and I'm sure you, maybe yourself, uh, I'm sure other listeners, we might have developed pictures over the years before we had all this uh, technology with cell phones, and, and you'll see that still photography usually cap captures them. So I'm sure we all had some pictures like, yo, what the hell is all those white, you know, or those, you know, images that you see all around the pictures. They definitely can be caught in that still photography. So, you know, that's 
that's that's that's pretty much what that is. But you tend to see it more and more, uh, especially if you like you said, as, as you set up your altar and you're opening doorways and you're creating energy. You're gonna see all types of phenomena. I mean, you're gonna be sitting at your altar, see shit out the corner of your eyes. I mean, I sit at my altar, I, I see shit coming down the stairs out of the corner. You know, the list goes on. You know, that's just what basically happens is the more you discipline yourself, you just start having more, you know, more experiences with it. I don't know if you want to add something to that, brother Ravonano. You still there? Oh wait, hold on. He got disconnected. Let me unmute him. Hold on. Yeah, hey, Henry, bro. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you got disconnected. Did you want to add something to that? Yeah, my phone was about to die. So, but anyways, yeah. Um. Uh, when those energies, like you said, those are high energies and frequencies, and we perceive them as that. But let's not forget that everything around us, and Brother Beniti really nailed it on the head, is vibrating. There's a frequency constantly around us. And if you go into Curlion photography, uh-huh. they actually show that everything in existence has some form of uh, energy emanating from it. And you right. can actually see it around you. You can see it. And other people, you can see it and things like that. So though our physical eye may not perceive it because we haven't been trained to do it or we haven't practiced enough to do it, it's still there. The more you do the work, the more you open up your spiritual senses to be able to see these energies in their different vibrations or frequencies. Um, you know, I see things quite often working in, in my altar room. Um, I see you know, what it looks like shadow figures, what seems like things running across the floor, things like that, you'll constantly, your eyes become clear and you actually will focus more on what's actually happening. And it just means that you're becoming more spiritually sensitive. Something that we're not used to or something that's shut in society is spiritually sensitive people. They're always kind of like looked upon as weirdos or eccentric or whatever. But once you work with that and you start to uh, calibrate or recalibrate your body to being able to see that, it becomes second nature and it becomes something that you're comfortable with instead of something that's startling or shocking. So That's right. Good point. Uh, any other questions, brother? Feel free to ask. Any other questions? Any Anything else you want to add? Something you want to share? Feel free. Well, um, one more thing. I mean, I don't know if they're still ores, but some of them are just like lines, like so, like translucent, like see through them, but they're like ores. They're like they're like lines. You know what I'm okay. Saying? Yes, yes. Now all the same thing. This in, oh my bad. Well, there, there's a connection to it, but not in the same in the sense. Also, keep this in mind. Uh, focus in because you're having a personal experience, and always, mm-hmm. always keep this, always keep this in mind. Something is being communicated to you on a higher level. Um, so as when, when we're talking about a personal experience on any level, we always have to factor in that communication technically is personal for you. Um, yeah, you can dialogue and compare it to a lot of similarities, definitely a connection with the orbs and like brother Ravonna Noon was just breaking down. And what I was saying earlier, you're, you're definitely tapping into, uh, these energies and these frequencies. But the question is, now you need to go, you know, tap into your superconscious and basically figure out in depth what, what exactly it is I'm seeing and why am I seeing it like that. And it's very as simple as petitioning when you're at your altar. See, people think, I always get this all the time. People will ask, 
they always think it's some really, I'm not saying you, I'm just, I'm glad you bring this up. I'm saying this now for the listeners in general because I kind of opened uh, the doorway to this topic, which is good. Um, they think it's something really in-depth and deep. They have to, like, they always make it more mystifying than it actually is. And, I, and it's very simple. When you have a personal experience, it's very simple by just petitioning these spirits and, and communicating as we're talking right now and saying, look, I had this experience. I saw this image described that. I am petitioning the spirits to communicate to me in depth and detail what it is I just saw, why I saw it, and what was the reason. And sometimes that's why they're showing you these things because they just simply want you, want you to petition them to open that doorway or communication as we mentioned earlier. So I always recommend when someone, when someone uh, needs clarification on something, it's a good practice. And I mentioned also on previous shows, uh, it's also good to do it uh, in the dream realm because that is a high time where a lot of these energies communicate with you. So sometimes it's good to ask those questions right before one would enter what we call the sleep realm. Because uh, as we know, when one is laying flat on their back and all the chakras are aligned and one goes into that state of limbo, when, that, when the body levels itself out and you're, you're vibrating at the same pre- frequency or megahertz of the planet, that's when you start to astral travel. The body now starts to separate, and now you open yourself up to higher states of communication. So it's always good to petition these energies of spirits prior to going to sleep. And a powerful tool, very simple. It's always good. Never go to sleep abruptly. Never go to sleep with a lot on your mind. Never go to sleep in an agitated state of mind because this can be very detrimental to your growth. You'll find if you do the reverse, wind yourself down, you know, get yourself into a relaxed state of mind, do a brief meditation before you go to sleep. One thing I like to do is contemplate the entire day. Just analyze your day briefly, the good and the bad of the day, and get locked in your mind. What was good about it? What was bad about it? You know, what can I correct? And then... If you have any questions of, like, such things that you're talking about right now, just simply make that declaration to, say, your ancestral spirits or the spirits that you work with in general, the energy that you work with in general. You do it briefly in front of your altar before you go to sleep. Ask the question you need to answer to. Quite simple. And who I learned that from? I'm going to tell you who I learned that from. Dr. Delbert Blair. That's, that's one thing. If anything that I got more powerful from him than anything, was that simple practice right there. And, and he said, if you do that, and I realized how, how complicated, you know, some people will make it. So that would be my suggestion to you. I don't know if you want to add something to that, Brother Ravonna. No, you're good. Okay. Right on, bro. I'll definitely put those techniques and methods to use. Good, good. Um, did you have anything else, brother? Any other questions or anything you wanted to do? Any comments? No, man, I, I love your show, man. I'm, I'm tuning in every, every, uh, every Thursday, bro. Love the show, man. Yeah. You guys keep doing your thing. All right, we appreciate it. Finally, finally glad we had actually time to talk to you. And you weren't yeah. at work. We appreciate it, bro. <laughs> All, All right, right. Uh, Cool. All right, now. All right. All right, good question. Good question. All right, so let's go back to the chat, and then we'll go back to the phone. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Matter of fact, if you go back, he might have talked about it, you know, you know, ancestors, uh, you know, transition the brother. Uh, he might have talked about it when he was on the show. You might want to go back to one of the very first shows we did when we had Dr. Delbert Blair on. Um, and, uh, yeah, he went in depth and 
in that. And I think he talked about some mirror magic too, uh, opening portholes and doorways with mirrors. That's something we need to focus on on the show. Uh, that's some powerful shit too, working with black mirrors and yeah. opening up ports. Yeah, we we haven't even we haven't even touched on that shit. Uh, maybe we can incorporate that because um, mirrors are the gateways and the doorways to other portholes and dimensions. That's the fucking reality. Um, well, and you could actually in the yeah. in the book he actually has actual rituals to do with working with black mirrors that okay. people can use as examples to create their own. But the, he he goes mm-hmm. into that as well because essentially he states that um, the black mirror is a gateway, and right when you're doing working with necromancy is is that's one of the key ways to make contact is using a black mirror. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, we definitely need to focus on that. Um, and that's one thing, I'm going to be honest with you, outside of, I know on the surface, um, as far as speaking about Dr. Delbert Blair, who, as we know, passed away a few months back, um, uh, most people just know about a lot of the stuff he talked about on the surface. You know, he dealt with a lot of the extraterrestrial stuff, a lot of ancient civilization, and he got into a lot of the, uh, you know, metaphysics of ancient Egypt. Um, and definitely one of our great teachers and elders. But he, he was into a lot of deep magic. He just never really talked about it openly. Um, but he, he always talked about rituals with mirrors and, and opening up doorways and, and, and dimensions to other, you know, other entities and beings. Now, it's, it's your personal choice to decide. You know, he was convinced in his mind, as I said before, that he was a contactee for higher intelligence, and he believed that. Now, I can't confirm whether that's true or not because that would be, you know, hypocritical. Um, but I can say he had brought forth uh, a certain level of evidence to show that, that that's a possibility. Now, it's a reality to him. It may not be a reality to us. Uh, but I believe, you know, when you look at the works that a person produces, I think that. That's the clarification. Regardless of that fact, whether you agree with that or not, um, when you go back and listen, uh, Man, Woman, and Child, for an example, a classic lecture and book that he put out, uh, has a lot of high science in it. It's, it's, it's a timeless classic. I mean, you read that, it's never outdated. Uh, I look yeah. at things like that with teachers and elders where they produce a work that's timeless, no matter Ivan Van Sertum, another one. The list goes on and on and on. I just think when they stamp themselves permanently like that, that that's what I think defines their legacy. And I always thought Dr. Delbert Blair was always pushed to the back burner because he touched on a lot of topics that mainstream, you know, teachers and elders didn't really want to fuck with, you know, because they, they were afraid to go that route. Uh, but I had, I had utmost respect for him. And up until the time he passed away, uh, and I recently, in the last couple years of his life, I want to say last year and a half, two years of his life, I developed, uh, you know, as I, I think I mentioned this a few months back, a personal relationship with him. And one thing that I learned in all this madness, sometimes people just want a friend, I, you know. And, and I'll be honest with you, the majority of the time I would talk with him, even though there was some knowledge and information there, one thing, and I think you might have heard him mention this, he was a huge hockey fan. And he loved to talk sports, loved hockey. Loved his Chicago Blackhawks, man. It was his favorite team. He knew everything about the Blackhawks. New York Rangers, brother. New York Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, he, was, he would go to the games regularly. And sometimes, you know, people that do that work, you know, it's the same thing with us, man. We do this work, but sometimes 
we just want to chill, man. We don't want to fucking talk about this shit all the time. I mean, sometimes you want to just kick back and watch sports, you know, and, and I learned that from Dr. Delbert Blair. He didn't want people calling him all the time like, yeah, I just saw a ship in my backyard, you know, fucking spooky-ass Negroes, man. You know, yeah. sometimes he, he just wanted, I would call him and just be like, hey, how you feeling today? You know, you understand? A little simple shit like that. How you feeling today? How's your health? You know what I mean? How's the family? We don't do that shit. Niggas want to call you up. Yeah, man, yo, check it out. Oh, what is it? Really? Hey, not hey, what's going on? How you doing? But I'll be honest with you, and I know you could attest to this, brother. There's days I don't want nothing to do with any of this shit. I need a break from it. That's right. You know what I mean? So, you know, we got to keep all those things into consideration. They're very important. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we meant, as we mentioned earlier in the show. You've got to have a love for the zest of life, the, the essential physical experiences of life. You gotta love that as much as you love doing all this witchy shit and all this other shit to make you feel great. You gotta enjoy every moment of your physical existence in this life. I watch sports. I like watching certain kinds of movies, you know, like Doctor Strange and shit like that coming out. I like watching shit like that. Just to escape from fucking talking all the time or sharing shit all the time or whatever. Sometimes just I want to be entertained. You know what I'm saying? I don't want right. to be the one talking. I want to be entertained and watch some shit up there on the screen or, you know what I mean, or go to the gym and just let off some steam or play basketball or some shit. That's, that's what I do. That's, but, called, that's, called, that's called living life, brother. That's called just living exactly. life. You know, so, yeah, we, you got to be cognizant, cognizant of that, man. I mean, it can't all be, look, that's what balancement is. That's what the sign for the pendulum is. You know, you swing too much the one way, if you swing it, going to swing too much to the other way. You know, we were talking about this actually uh, in the OTO Lodge on this past Tuesday night. Matter of fact, uh, that topic came up, uh, the symbolicism of the pendulum. And one can just meditate on a pendulum and what it represents. It's it's conveying a a multitude of messages simultaneously if you really know what the symbol represents. Uh, So Jill's and symbols are very powerful, but that's a whole other class. Um, but yeah, you know, liking yourself to that pendulum, man. You gotta be grounded in the middle, man. You can't, you can't sway to the right and be too goddamn spooky and spiritual. And you can't sway to the left and be too physical. You know, you gotta be right in the middle. You know, utilize and, and you know, flow with the energy. Your spirit's gonna dictate to you what you need. It's gonna tell you when you need rest, when you need food, when you. It's gonna tell you when you just been bullshitting too much and you need to you know, charge yourself up and maybe go a little bit deeper into your spiritual practices. Uh, and that's called being in tune. That's called being a real spiritual practitioner. That's called somebody being grounded. That's called somebody being connected. All those terms. That's, that's, that's where you want to be. You know, not, not to the extreme of one and not to the extreme of the other. You want to be smack dab in the middle. And then you can work from either way you got to go. If you got to move right, you can move right. If you got to move left, you can move left. You gotta move up, you can move up. If you gotta move down, you can move down. Okay, that's the reality. It's that simple. Okay. All right, let's go back to the phones and see if we can get a next caller on the line. Uh the next caller we got on the line is from California. You're on the call. Anybody there from California? Hi. Hey, how you doing? We got you. We can hear you crystal clear. Oh hi guys. I I'm really enjoying this show. It's new information for me, but um, good. I, 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 let me see. Do I have a question? 
you guys I'm sure you got you got you got to have a question. You got to have a comment, especially if it's new to you. You got to have something. Throw something at us. If you want to just sit, add something, just throw something at us. Whatever you want. Okay, okay, okay. So you all were speaking about building these altars. Mm-hmm. And I had an altar. I took it down. But I, I kind of miss it. But, you know, I was thinking, too, that, no, maybe I didn't need that anymore. I moved. Okay. So can I can I ask just, you what, what motivated you to take it? I heard you say take it down. I know you said you moved. But I moved. What, that, what, was, that was the motivation. Okay. But okay. my sister was also giving me a hard time because she ah. thinks that I've, I've just taken all of our mother's possessions and never shared mm. it with any of the any of my other siblings. Okay. And it's not true. It's just it all ended up in my possession, and I uh-huh. tried to preserve as much of it as I could, you know? I got I got you. Well, that's why that's why I had asked that question. I know you said you moved, but I, I had already sensed it was a little bit more in-depth than just the fact that you moved. Um, so I know there had to be more to it. So you said you – now, the next thing you just said, you said you don't, you don't miss it, and you felt like you didn't need it. Did I hear that part right? No, actually, I said I thought I was at the point that I maybe I didn't need it anymore anyway okay. you know, with the move and everything. But now right. I find myself kind of missing it. Okay. I mean, it was my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather. Um, well, yeah, you, 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 yeah, you made that link. You, 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 you made that energy connection. That's what you're missing. So the very mm. fact that you're missing it confirms that you connected with something for sure so yeah i can see why you miss it so you recommend that i go ahead and 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 put it back up and i mean personally i can only give you my i mean i recommend you do whatever your your spirit is telling you to do whatever your 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 subconscious you know your mind your intuition is telling you to do um but from the sounds of what you're telling me yeah, most definitely. I would definitely put that thing back up. That, that's what I was going to say. Her her spirit already answered the question just by that's the right. question she asked. Uh-huh. You already yep. asked, you already have the answer because you said, should I? Do you, do you think I should? <laughs> well, that's your spirit telling you, yeah, you should. That's right. You don't need our confirmation. Your spirit already confirmed you should do it. That's right. Our suggestion is just listen to your spirit wholeheartedly because it ain't going to steer you wrong. Maybe there's right. a message waiting for you. <laughs> and if you put uh, your old drug, you may receive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think this? maybe I did need you all's confirmation because I'm really taking heed to what you said about, you know, this is a this is something that you don't want to take lightly. And no. coming from, Listen. you know, mm-hmm. the back, the religious background and all that dogma, I've mm-hmm. been out of it for a while, so you know I think I'm 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 I'm, a, I'm on the right path. It's just it's really right. challenging to rid yourself of all of these things. I think I heard you um, the other night on uh, Brother Sharif's show, um, uh-huh. Ravana, and it was very none. It was very nice to hear your 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 perception. But I, you know, you you guys, you got to try to meet me where I am because it's not that I have a lot of fear built up around anything. It's just 
I don't want to go across. I don't want to cross any more but, paths that are unnecessary. Right, but let me let me say this, sis, and and I'm glad you say that. But know this: don't feel pressured, like you said. Um, what you've been exposed to, be it religion or whatever, is not going to go away overnight. So let's let's be real, especially for somebody, per se, that might be recently started out on this path. So let's let's make this clear. Don't don't agitate and stress yourself out about that. Just kind of. If you really focus intently on what you're trying to do, that's going to naturally subside. It's just when you focus more energy on it, I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just speaking now in general so listeners also, maybe there's somebody else uh, kind of dealing with the same thing you said because I do find that a lot in people that are, are just starting out and dealing with this type of stuff. Um, <clears throat> don't focus on it so much. Focus on the learning aspect and focus on just, taking it in, you know, a day at a time, because what's going to happen is just like anything, it's just like learning a new sport or learning a new skill. The more practice you get, you're just going to, you're going to naturally just become good at it. And it's just going to, everything that needs to fall into place. And I don't say that on a spooky level, but you're going to see the more you connect with this spirituality, the religious stuff and the influence that it's had on you or the breaking away or separating from it's going to become just a naturally a lot easier. So I would just be patient with yourself, number one. I would don't don't stress yourself out about trying to absorb everything in one shot because you can't do that. Uh, I would just take the best way I, I, you know, I would suggest to newer people is to basically focus on certain areas until you really master it and then move on to something else. Because the biggest mistake I see is people that they try to you know, do a multitude of things in the beginning, and they just may not be fully, uh, you know, equipped for that. So I would just say be patient, uh, you know, take your time, gather as much, you know, knowledge and wisdom that you can, but don't beat yourself up or stress yourself out about struggling with separating from, because that's the biggest challenge. And no matter how, how long, like for an example, you could have left the church one year ago or 15 years ago. There's people that have left religion 15, 20 years ago. And I still see them struggling, uh, unfortunately, on certain levels. I don't know if you want to add something to that, Brother Ravon. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, so I hope that helps your sister. Did you have um you have any other questions or any other comments you wanted to add? Feel free. No, that, that helps a, an awful lot. And, I, again, I just want to thank you all for your, um, for okay, your we... contribution. I mean, just what you guys are doing is just, it's very giving, and I appreciate that. No, we appreciate you listening. That's why we do it, for, for just that reason. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. So, all right, good call. Let's uh, go back to the chat and try to get through a few more calls, a few more things on the chat. Try to uh, down in a little bit. Uh, okay, so let's uh, – we have some more interesting stuff in the chat. Let me see. That was the last one. All right. Uh, well, that. Uh, uh, yeah, something earlier too. Uh, some other interesting comments uh, by by BZO. Uh, this is good here. Uh, so let me read this. Um, BZO typed in, "I've enjoyed being more spiritual 
and being able to observe synchronicities and the whatnot uh, rather than participate in the shit show. Crazy thing is, I hadn't been doing any rituals or meditation purposely, but became more spiritual and in tune as I did more shit I loved. And that's, that's great. And I'm going to tell you why. Something I said earlier. Let me finish the last part of this comment. I go in and out of that state, but I'm aware I'm out now much sooner. That's fine. Um, as I said before, you're going to find when you start to link yourself in uh, and all of your studies, uh, whatever practices, rituals, visualizations, meditations, contemplation, whatever, whatever, you're going to find once it becomes embedded in your subconscious, uh, you, you're going to find less of a need or a need to do basically a lot of the physical things. It's not going to be as necessary. But there's a powerful thing in that statement. We were just kind of talking about that. Uh, you became more spiritual and in tune, and that started to happen as you started to do shit that you love. And that's what we're talking about, combining that life experience physically and spiritually. We can't negate as if the physical aspect uh, is not connected to your spiritual growth. So whatever it is you do and you love, whether it's something spiritual, whether it's just something physical, whether it's just kick it, whatever, uh, people don't realize just a form. Sometimes the greatest thing one can do is nothing. I know that shit sounds crazy, but sometimes one just has to sit back and do nothing, and in that nothingness is great spiritual growth. Um, we had we get this 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 question too. This this is this is a beautiful thing too. I wanted to address this because this question comes up a lot. A lot of people uh, feel when they start to come into this path, they go through a period of isolation or loneliness, and that's how you know you're on the right path. I'm gonna say that again. When you really start that, or you're at the threshold, and I've gotten this, uh, you know, from a brother that comes to a class I do down here from a couple other people. And this actually came up in Tuesday night's class at the OTO Lodge. Uh, there's, that, there's that period of loneliness and that transition. But in that loneliness is your strongest spiritual growth because you start to see you separate from maybe individuals that you used to be around. You don't feel or, or have the desire or need to even be in their presence anymore. That's called separation. Uh, you might get irritated. Just some people that you could tolerate before, you just don't even want to, the sight of them gets you sick to your fucking stomach. That's called the isolated consciousness. Uh, one brother, and the brother that I'm talking about uh, that comes regularly had made a comment in the class. Uh, simultaneously, he can't stand being around people, but then longs to be around people. That's, again, that's that strong period of transition. And in that loneliness is that strong growth. You have to pay attention to all that. There is a physical aspect to this, um, but that's the transition period. When you, get over the, when you get over that hump and you go through that great change, after that great change and transition is the, is the strongest growth that one can imagine, uh, and that's part of being on this path. I'm telling you, it's a fact. It's something one will go through if they stay consistent on it, but you're going to find out when you reflect back on it, you're going to say, man, in that damn you know, transition of period that was rough was my, was my greatest growth. And that's what we mean when we say on the left-hand path to tap into the isolated consciousness. That would be the physical effects of it, which it goes on a whole nother level dealing with it spiritually and mentally. That gets into a whole nother level. But there is that effect. And 
there's nothing wrong with you because we get a lot of emails on this. There's nothing wrong with you. You, you know, you're not abnormal. It's actually very normal on this path. Um, um, but I just wanted to connect that in. I know that really wasn't connected to that question, but it just came to mind. Uh, but definitely um, good comments uh, by BZ Ho. And again, you'll find the more you're in tune, you're just going to naturally be able to tap into whatever you need to tap into just by the very fact of thinking about it and doing it. It's that fucking simple. Okay? All right. Let's go back to the uh, phone. Next on the call. Okay, let's plug in. We got Texas on the call. Texas, you're on the call. Good evening. Hello, Fanini. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> yes, always, always, always good to hear your voice. What's going on? This is a tree hugger. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever, did you ever hug that tree naked in your backyard? <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned it. I did about two months ago. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I've been wanting to bring that up. And how did you feel? And that was very empowering. And I want to let you know that I think that was a, another shift. Uh, it created a, another shift in me. It really good. raised me to another level. And so I want to thank you for challenging me on that. Good, good. I'm glad to see you actually did it and, and, and yeah, got yeah. past it yet. Awesome, yeah, I awesome. That. <laughs> I was nervous. You, I, that was a little bit of fear in there, and I did it, but I, I got over it. You by chance didn't take any pictures up. No, I'm just kidding. That was no. a joke. <laughs> 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 I'm not that bold. Not, not in that regard, anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're just, 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 just having a little fun with you. But anyway, any questions or comments? Anything that you wanted to ask? Anything you wanted to add? Feel free. Oh, thank you. First of all, I wanted to when I when I logged on, um, you were saying the name of the book. Can you please restate the name of the book? Most definitely. We a lot of the information. Um, there was a couple of books. Uh, the main book we were using this evening was. Uh, I don't know what's his last name. I know his first name is Christian. Christian Day. Yeah, Day. The A Y. Yeah, Chris, yeah, Christian Day, the Witch's Book of the Dead. Okay. Uh, and the, the author's name is Christian Day. Uh, very good book in, in dealing with the topic that necromancy and working with black magic and spirits of the dead. Um, we find, again, we make this clear, and I know you've heard us say this, but I'm, I'm more or less now going to say this for newer listeners. Uh, when we're making reference to books, by all means, we're not promoting it as the single authority. We just tend to, because as we know, there's millions of books out there on every topic one can imagine nowadays. Uh, but we just personally feel when we select books, we feel it's the most thorough and uh, just in our opinion in the information that's out there. Or we might resonate towards a book because we feel it's uh, very, uh, you know, simple to vibe with, that, that one can easily work with it. Uh, so that, that's the only reason why we pick titles, not because we want to be crystal clear, not because we... Uh, think that these individuals are the sole authority on these topics. That's not why we do it. Uh, it's just in our in our research and study, and then other people, you might come across other books uh, on these same topics that you resonate with uh, uh, better than maybe the ones we pick. So, you know, by all means, you, you again, just you, you go with what you feel is necessary for you, but that's the book that, uh, the main book that we've been using this evening. No, I love everything that uh, Brother Lavana Noon was speaking and he was reading the book. I mean, I just so resonated with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you're speaking mm-hmm. my language, speaking my language. No, it's, it's yeah. just really, really uh, a lot of fun. Let me, let me share this. What part of Texas are you from? 
Well, um, I, I was, I'm living at Dallas in the Dallas area. I'm originally okay. from New York, however, but I live in the Dallas area. Okay. The reason I asked because he actually Christian Day actually has two stores. He has one in Salem, Mass, and he has one in New Orleans. I know Dallas is kind of far from New Orleans, but it's still, you know, if you ever get to New Orleans, he has an actual store there. Um, and a lot of the things that we mentioned in the book, if you can't find in your area, he definitely has it in that store. So if you ever want to take a trip, go there. And he has a lot of the herbs and a lot of the uh, incense and things to conjure up the spirits to work with it. You might, um, if you get a chance, go there. If you want a vacation, a little quick getaway, go there. Because it, no, it's I've called got, Old... I've got people there. I've got people there. I, I used to spend a Perfect. lot of time. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. It's called nice. Old Hex. It's called Old Hex Witchery, um, okay. but it's a, it's the name Old of the store Hex. is Hex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, H-E-X, and it's oh, on okay. Decatur Street. Okay. It's okay. on Decatur Street. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know where that is. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Good, 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 good spot. This is most Thank definitely. And they got a lot of trees out there, too, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting in there. It, it, it's winding down the end of the night. And, like and my trees are producing pecans, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, right. that's, a, that's a good one. But anyway, did you have any uh, other questions, any other comments, um, anything else? I, I do. I just have, um, you know, my, I was going to say, you know, my mouth has, you know, my, my mouth has served me on both sides. It has helped me, and it's also gotten me in trouble. So when, uh-huh. um, when you were talking about, uh, you know, when you're reading in the book, you know, be different and unique. I've always been different and unique. Um, you know, dance with the dead. I'm always, I'm always, I'm a nonconformist by nature. I always have been. So uh-huh. like, that's why everything that you were reading was just really resonated with me. And I had a conversation maybe a couple of months or so uh, with my mother because my, you know, we were talking about, you know, growing and kind of withdrawing from people that we were used to being associated with. Right. We have no longer have that um, attraction. So I had my mother tell me, she says, you know, we're a little bit concerned about you. You know, you're not really as involved the way you were. Um, I, I think you need an intervention is what I was told. And I, and I just laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. Um, and I don't know if anyone else is experiencing that. And I've always been my, you know, my own person, so to speak, if you will. I've, only, I've always mm-hmm. been my own voice this tall and my my people know that there's nothing that they can do to bend my will. So all of this yep. resonated as well. Um, the last okay. question that I have is when we talk about a witch, and I guess from a um, psychological, I guess just all of the imagery that is out there. You know, I grew up watching Bewitched. I dream of Jeannie. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I used to like that show as a kid. Me too. The witch is always kind of depicted as, as a woman. And so is there a difference? I mean, is a, a witch yeah, male yeah. And she, or female, if you will, or is You know what? I'm glad you bring that question up because that's, that's the reason why I'm glad you bring that question up. Let's, let's dispel the uh, false misconceptions that, unfortunately, you know, on the mundane level, not, not so much uh, you or uh, and I would hope most of the listeners on this show. Uh, well, let's get out of this. When we're saying witch, let's get out of this thing. We're not talking about 
just the, the stereotype of witches, you know, brooms and, and witch hats and, you know, not, no, not that. Uh, because unfortunately, just like when you mentioned left-hand path and, and other things affiliated with it, people tend to go to the stereotype uh, aspects of it. Uh, remember, witch is more so a term. Regardless if you're male or female, when you're saying witch, witchcraft, or these terminologies and practices that are affiliated with it, it's not, again, it's irrelevant of gender. Uh, male or female is irrelevant. So when we're saying witches, uh, it's irrelevant. It's, it's, it's applying to both, male and female. It's just a term simply used for, for a spiritual practitioner that works with these sciences. And, it's, again, it's not the wearing the long uh, dress with the witch hat flying on a broom. That's not what this is, you know, talking about. Uh, even though that is one aspect of what we know in folklore as or mythology as witches, but, again, that's something more modern day. This is taking it back, you know, the spirit. Like I said earlier, I don't know if you wanted to call earlier, um, you're going to find out when you read this book uh, or this same spiritual system that we're talking about this evening, you're going to see a lot of familiar similar practices and a lot of West African traditions that work with the Igun, that work yeah. with the uh, Apollo spirits, the spirits of the dead. You're going to see a lot of similar practices. So we're more talking along uh, witches or practitioners of witchcraft from that lineage or that particular spiritual practice. Were you going to say something about it? Were you going to add something to that? I was just going to add because um, the witch became synonymous with females uh, for two reasons. One, uh, the Salem witchcraft, I mean, the Salem witch hunt. And the Salem witch hunt focused on females that were practicing magic, so to speak. So because of the Salem witch trials, everything got associated with witch and female. However, witch is just somebody who practices magic or the sciences of how to utilize the forces. It had never had a gender type until Hollywood grabbed it, um, and history books changed it, which is synonymous with just somebody who's a practitioner of work in magic. So it could be male, female, transgender. It could be anything you want it to be. It's just that. But it is synonymous with things that happen in history, and, and then it became focused more on the female being a witch, but no, male and female can be witch. Male and female can be a sorcerer. Male and female can be a wizard. It doesn't matter. It's just that these terms always get associated with female, and then wizard gets associated with male. But it's not exclusive to any one gender. Yeah, that's correct. But that's a really good question. And you know what? That reminded me because that, that was something I was going to bring up earlier, but it's, it, after getting into what we were getting into, it just slipped my mind. I wanted to address that concept, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So hopefully that took the spookism out of it. Um, so definitely appreciate it. Thank you. But uh, another thought came to mind. You know, are we going to say something? No, no, no. Go ahead. That was it. I wasn't going to say anything. Now, uh, Brother Benini, when I very, when I very, the very first time I ever heard you speak, and I'm going back to this, um, you always talked about the space between the. You talk about the space between the tip and the top. And That's right. That, that has that that has permeated my my being ever since then. Mm-hmm. And um, I had uh, I had an experience the other day, and I've been resonating on it. And I wanted to see if you could talk to it and and, and expound upon what I'm going to tell you. Just 
so you can help me to uh-huh. uh, categorize it, if you will. That's the best way to put it. I, okay. I saw. I saw. Um, I saw something on the internet which was different than what someone else saw. So what okay. I'm saying is that that in in my reality at that time it wasn't the same as the other party's reality in their time. Mm. Meaning it showed two different it was, it was two different two different as simultaneously there were two different things that were being seen. Correct. Let me, let me let me explain this just so people know what we're talking about. Um, and you can go back to uh, when you go back into the Egyptian mysteries, um, where that concept comes from, and and you can go back to uh, um, Pythagoras has talked about it. Uh, Albert Albert Einstein, uh, time uh, theory and evolution, uh, and a lot of other leaders after that have taken that and, and kind of put their twist on it. But what it's basically saying is this: there is no real calculation of real time. Um, and why I had used that analogy, and I've actually used that quite a bit over the last few years, and, well, I won't say last 20 years in classes that I've been doing, uh, and, and actually, Ravana Noon can definitely relate to this topic, because we actually both used to teach about this a lot years ago with metaphysics and alchemy. Um, but what it's basically saying is, now we, 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 we went from analog to digital time, right? And in that confusion, where people get stuck in their spirituality is the false calculation of time. Um, even when you go back to the different calendars, and we've talked about this in the past years back, uh, and the different methods of calculating time, it's, it's, it's inaccurate, it's incorrect. For an example, uh, we look at what we know as basic standard time. We've got 24 hours in a day, as we know. We've got mm-hmm. 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. But here's where it gets fucked up now, Okay. As we know, the Gregorian calendar goes back to Pope Gregory. That's where they got the concept of the calendar that we use today. Why is this all important? Because time is what traps people in their spiritual growth. Now, what I mean by that is this. When you analyze this situation as a whole, okay, now you get to leap year and daylight savings time, which is confirmation you can't really calculate time, and we're getting ready to push the clock back an hour. So where do you get the hour from? Where do you take it? Where do you put it? It's no such thing. So what do they calculate in this calculation? What is it really based on? I'm going to show you. Really, it's just the movement of the planets, and I'm going to show you. So when you look at this in its essence, then every four years, they just want to throw an extra 24 hours in there. Where are they getting this from? Again, movement of the planets, because it's based on the evolution of our planet around the sun. And every four years, there's that extra gap, so they throw in, you know, what they call leap year or the extra day. Okay. But the, 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 the measure, system of measurements we use for false time, and that's what it is, is incorrect. Now, when you go to the old second-hand clock, right, this is something that we always used to talk about years ago. Okay, it's hard to really grasp this when you look at a digital clock, but, you know, all the old, which are non-existing, you don't really see them anymore, the, the, the regular traditional clocks with the second hand on it. Well, that's the mistake there, number one, okay? There's no such thing as seconds, right? Because if there's a second, nobody's calculating that gap. That's what that means between the tick and the top. So if you're looking at the clock, it goes tick, and then there's a pause, and then there's a tock. Well, there's no time. Who's calculating the time between the tick 
and the talk. Albert Einstein talked about this. Who's calculating that time? Uh, who's the other one that, that practiced the, uh, uh, what you call it, the Philadelphia experiment? What's his name? I'm drawing a Tesla. blank right now. Uh, Tesla, Tesla talked about, yeah, he talked about this too. Okay, so there's no calculation of the time between the tick and the talk. Now, some scientists say what we're calling the spiritual realm, it, it vibrates in between that tick and the talk. That's where we need to get ourselves connected with because, again, there's tick, pause, talk. So nobody is calculating the space in between the tick and the talk. So now the question is, what is real time? These beings that we're talking about this evening, these uh, archetype energies, this is how they break the time barrier because they're matriarchal beings, remember. They're patriarchal, matriarchal beings that can break what we call the matrix, right? That's what a matrix is. And I hope you follow me. I hope I'm not going off too much. No, no, I'm right with you. Go ahead. I'm... Okay. So this is what, when you saw the Matrix movies, this is what they were trying to show you, that this realm of existence was in between that tick and the tock, and we were really vibrating on an illusion, right? Then you had the red pill and, you know, and the blue pill. And, and we, we know the story as we watch it in Office and what all that represented and was symbolized, that basically – Everything you see is a self-created illusion based on the false precepts of reality and time, right? That's what you saw. And then once, you know, Keanu Reeves was able to break through that matrix, he started to really, you know, tap into his higher powers, if that's what you want to call it. He started yeah. to, you know, really see yeah. things for what they are. Um, so I hope that kind of, that that's really what, Breaking the time. Now, here's another thing, real quick. And, Ramon, I know I can feel you, brother. I know you want to add something to this shit. That's right. But, That's right. Right. If you look at it, look at it like this. It's like taking a rock. We all used to like, I used to love doing that. Uh, I mean, it's rough in New York because you ain't had too many lakes. But if we, like, we went out on the island somewhere and we were able to throw rocks or some shit and we left the city, that was one thing that was fun to us and shit in the summertime, taking rocks and throwing them across water. We could do that shit for hours. But, Take a rock and throw it in the water, and when it hits, this is anything. You can throw it. it. Where the point of contact is, you see a rippling effect from the center. It just starts to expand and contract. That's where real time is. Time is always expanding and contracting. There's no such thing really as past, present, future. They all happen simultaneously, meaning, let me give you an example. This show started at 9 o'clock. So at the starting point of this show at 9 o'clock, it's still expanding and contracting out into what we know as not just the universe, but the multiverses. Um, you, hear the, you hear this concept talked about metaphysics. Um, it's constantly expanding and contracting. So that is still taking place as we speak. You know, what we just talked about five minutes ago is still taking place. Now, there was a movie that came out years ago trying to show you this with uh, John, what's his name, Claude Van Damme, what the fuck his name is. Um, yeah. Time cop. They showed. They tried to depict it in there. Um, what real time is. Um, so that's what all time is. It's constantly contracting, expanding. Um, it can't really be calculated. It just is. And and when you look at it on that perspective, you can break the barrier. And this is how you tap into the spiritual realm. Because when you understand that these energies vibrate on that level, then you see the possibilities. But when you think that you're trying to calculate it on your mortal mind. 
of what time is, it, it blocks that spiritual growth. But I'll go ahead, Ravonna. I know you want to add something. Then I'll let the sister. I know she probably want to add something to it. Sure. Uh, let me just say this. Um, when it comes to calculating time, this is the aspect you have to always also look at. Why is it that the smallest unit or smallest measurement of time starts with a second and not a first? That's right. Why is it 60 seconds and not 61st? Where did the first moment in time go? Where did it disappear to? See, that first moment in time, the ancient Kemetics or Egyptians had a word for that. They called it uh, uh, Zepitep, okay? Or, and that meant first moment in time. There's a first moment in time when noon or the chaotic waters gave birth to all life from the darkness or from the primordial realm. So what you have to what you have to really look at is that when you're calculating um, time, there's always a moment or space that has not been accounted for. That's right. That moment in space, as Benidi has alluded to, is a moment in space that you actually are in another realm of existence, and you actually are in this realm where other energy exists whether you call it spirits or whatever else, in that realm right there is a, is a realm that is a creative realm. You can either create life or death at that realm or that existence. That's right. A movie that kind of alluded to that also was the movie Inception, showing you that That's the right. deeper you go into your subconscious mind, you get into the abyss, you can create parallel lives within your subconscious mind, all existing at the same time. And this mm. is why when you go into um, dealing with witchcraft or dealing with spiritual sciences, there's a, a moment where things seem to all slow down and the work takes a life on itself. They call it the witching hour. Now, what people do not understand, what is the witching hour? What time actually is the witching hour? Some people will say 12 minutes. That's actually wrong. When you actually go in depth, you'll find out that the witching hour is the time between 12 midnight and the next minute. That's considered the witching hour, and that moment in there is the moment that Baniti is alluding to. And the more you do your rituals, the more you do your work, the more you go into that abyssal moment in between those two. And you, and you tap into a creative moment that manifests on the physical and the spiritual at the same time. Now, now, let me let me add this. I think we might have did this on the show, but I do this regularly in my classes live when I'm doing them live. To show you that that concept, all right, watch this. That time, exactly what Ravonna Noon said, exactly what I said, to show you how this works and how, that, how it expands, how it's constantly out there, how it's like, how, how old, I mean, I know you're not supposed to ask a female this, but roughly, you don't have to get the shit exact date. How old are you roughly? Oh, you asking me? Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my 50s. Okay. All right. So here we go. Reflect, name me one song, either in your teenage years, when you were a child, to this day, you know, that you still hear it. Uh, a song that, that, that was a favorite song that you never forget, regardless of how old you get. Any song okay. that comes to mind. I'll, I'll be there, Michael Jackson. Okay. All right. I'll be there, Michael Jackson. All right, watch. We're going to go ahead and time travel right now, live on this show with everybody listening. All right, you, you answered it quick, so obviously this song has a strong connection to you. Do you remember the very first time you heard this song? Um, 
I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Or it doesn't have to be the very first time, but when you first start hearing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Specifically identify a specific scenario when you heard the song. Where were you? How old were you roughly? What, where, where were you in your life? What were you doing? Give me some in-depth details. Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, probably, I think I was about, I don't know, maybe about 11. Okay. Uh, maybe old, maybe, potentially. Okay. And I think I heard it either on the radio or I saw it performed on the television. You know, when he was okay. Okay. Do, do you have any memory specifically, say, being in your house, like you say, you might yeah, have I remember being in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember mm-hmm. maybe potentially um, remembering my grandmother because I was very, very close mm-hmm. to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she passed away when I was nine. Okay. I still, remember, I still remember her today like it was yesterday. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Any other times when you heard this song? Can you remember specific other moments in your life? You might have been driving in the car and you heard it, or uh, did you hear it? At maybe at a at a prom, a school dance, uh, any, anything like that come to mind? No, I mean, I you know, like later on in teenage years, you know, going to parties, you know, house parties, yeah, it was played at house parties. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to stop you there. See, basically what you just did right now, you just basically time travel. You just basically tapped in the moment. Like I said, those incidents you just remembered, even though they might have happened in your childhood, how was the very fact that when we go and, and we go, we sit down and we go, okay, you said, um, let me go back. And you, you stopped. You went into deep thought. And as you went into deep thought, you tapped into that moment that we're talking about, that moment, how this, this, this time is always contracting and expanding and it's still out there. It's the same thing, say, for an example, we can all reflect on a, a slow jam uh, that we remember growing up. We could we say, say this slow jam sparks or kindles the memory of a sexual encounter. Some of us can go so vivid and deep in the mind where we can see intricate details of, we can remember the exact day, the year, what we were wearing, how we were dressed, uh, you know, what, what car we had at the time. Uh, we could remember the day of the week, where we were going that night. What, this is what I'm trying to say to show you that this is all embedded in the subconscious mind, and this is what real-time travel is. And this is the methodology we were trying to teach people on the show a while back when we were saying this is how one can go back into their subconscious mind and address trauma via time travel because you can do the same thing, say you were bullied on a basketball court, and this is still fucking with you today. You could be in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, but it might have had a psychological effect on your confidence. So you can go back to that incident where you were bullied on the basketball court but except this time, you can change the outcome. You can now become the victim. The kids that used to bully you, you can now visualize yourself standing up to the bullies and being victorious over them, and then you're going to find out that's going to help you get over a hump that's been plaguing you for many years that you thought you were over, but you were not. So this is key because people say, how do I correct the trauma? We talked about this. This shit is real. If you actually put it into practice, you can go back. If you understand the real concept of time and how it taps into the first principle of Tahuti, all is mental, mental is all, you can go back to any point in your life and correct any trauma 
no matter how bad or, 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 or minimum it was, but you can go back and correct. That's real time travel. That's time travel correction. But that is just to show you the same way you can reflect back on music because music carries sounds, vibrations, and those vibrations and rhythms and tones and frequencies open you, open you up to thoughts because those sounds and vibrations project certain levels of thoughts and consciousness. So when you hear a song, and music is such a powerful tool because the planet is built on harmonics. Everything is built on harmonics, sound, rhythm, vibration. That's a scientific fact. So the very fact, and music is so powerful, and this is why they use it against us for good and bad. This is why these kids are all fucked up today, because they know how to tap into their minds with all this repetitive, negative-ass hip-hop that got them acting like savages because they know the biorhythms of the heart. The four-bar measure that you hear a beat on, if you know music, beats per minute, they know how to deal with the beats per minute to the biorhythm of the heart, and the faster they speed up the beats per minute, they know they can tap into the heart or the emotional center and get humans to react. How do you know that? Because all you got to do is look at music because music incites a variety of emotions. It can mm-hmm. incite aggressiveness. We had, think about when we were kids when we first heard gangster hip-hop, how one minute we could be listening to smooth R&B and, you know, we, we lounging back trying to be all smooth Mac daddies, and then all of a sudden some aggressive hip-hop comes on. Now all of a sudden we're hyped up, like we feel aggressive, like we want to get physical. This is done intentionally. They know how to tap in the time and the sound barrier. And we have to be conscious of this. So this is all connected. And one needs to know these sciences when working with high levels of spiritual magic. The same way we're able to tap into those frequencies and energies is the same way when we summon these beings. It's the same way. It works on the same principle. This is all connected. But anyway, this is just going to be a whole other class. But I just <laughs> That, that is so profound. And, you know, as you were talking, I, my mind still was traveling. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, what, the house that we were living in, I, when my grandmother passed, you know, since we're talking about, you know, the Book of the Dead, my grandmother mm-hmm. had passed. And I was so, I was, I, I think back then I sensed her spirit, but it was spooky to me. And I remember being at the front door. My mother had her dress that, that they were going to put on her body hanging in the vestibule closet. And I didn't want to pass. I obviously had to pass pause to get through the vestibule and get into the house. So I remember jumping from the front door all the way through the vestibule to get into the house instead of walking through it. Right. Um, that was a, a little funny. A little funny for me yeah. anyway. Well, but they, like you said, you just, you just went, you went off. And this, this yeah. can be, and it's a beautiful thing, man. You, you could, you, it's, look, man, you, this might sound funny. I'll share, I'll share this with Ramon and other people. Uh, this is this is one way how uh, you can heal yourself, how how you can regenerate cells. You know, when you go back to periods of time in your life that were uplifting, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, uh, music activates that, and that's a reality. Music activates that. And what people fail to understand is when you start to reflect back on things that made you vital, you can actually re- regenerate cells. You can heal yourself. Dr. Delbert Blair was talking about that, too. That's another thing that he talked about. You know, that's something that one can do at any time. I mean, I can reflect back times. My mother, who passed away in 1996, uh, who I have vivid, detailed memories of, specific, detailed uh, incidences in my life to the point where I can go back 
you know, to my kitchen in New York where my mother spent a lot of time cooking. I could smell the food if I really focused hard. I could still smell the food that she cooked. I could still see all the things that she did as if they actually, it's actually happening. When you tap in, you can still tap into all the things that are connected to it. It's that vivid. Um, and people don't understand time. We're dealing with that, you know, spiritual realm, if you want to call it, is real. It's a, it's a reality. One has the ability to access it. Um, it's not fiction. And there's, there's a lot of power and healing in that. Um, and it's, it's important to understand that because when you work these spiritual practices, there's a connection to this. Um, and, and, and like I said, it's a good question. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up um, because it's, it's, it's something that we haven't addressed on the show. Um, but it's something actually me and Brother Ravana Noon have been teaching on for over 20 years. We've done actually classes exclusively on this concept time because breaking the barrier of time is, is, is you have to understand it. You have to be able to bypass it and not be caught in the illusion of it because it definitely will stunt your spiritual growth. And that's the problem with religion, by the way, because they put a beginning and an end on everything, which is the first mistake, that it's man-made and they definitely don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There's no such thing as a beginning or an end. That's the biggest illusion. So, anyway. And, and the last thing I just want to say, for those listening to, you know, I, when I first heard Brother um, Ravonin, I mean, I'm sorry, Brother um, Benini talk about the, the difference between the, the space between the tip and the top, it was so mm-hmm. profound. Um, and what I wanted to say was when I talked about the, looking at the computer screen the other day, uh, there's something that was coming up, right? So the information should have been the same. So on my computer screen, it was saying that, that what was coming up was going to start at 3 o'clock p.m. But on their screen, it shows that it was going to start at, uh, and, and, and by the way, I'm in the central time zone. Uh, and okay. on their screen, it said it was going to start at 8 p.m. So there was a five-hour, what, four-hour four, four differential, if you will. Mm-hmm. We, when we both on the screen at the same time, they saw 8 p.m. and I saw, well, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My, mine would have been 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, exactly. Well, you know what that taps into? Again, when I was talking about analog and digital earlier, if you go back to 1999, remember remember when Y2K was approaching, everybody was in a fucking uproar, and everybody thought it was the end of the world because of that concept you're talking about there, because when they went to the digital, they didn't you know, take into consideration. They thought all the computers were shut down. There were so many people that were spooked the fuck out with that uh, because they didn't understand how the analog and the digital worked. And then when they found out that it's just a binary system and you could actually add on to that and, and the computers can just actually be rebooted uh, via that system, you know, it just it took all the spookism. Because I remember at that time, shit, we can attest to, there was, there was so many spooky theories on that um, because they say when they developed that technology, they never thought they would encounter because when you look at that, uh, on any digital clock, and it goes across zero one nine zero one zero nine. You know, when the nine flipped over, they didn't know how the computer would react when it flipped two and then zero across the board. They thought it would shut down uh, the computers. Uh, this was the big thing with Y two K. You know, everybody was trying to stack. You know, they thought, oh shit, there's going to be power outages and the grid's going to shut down and all this crazy shit was going to happen. Uh, but that was a conspiracy theory. Um, and did, didn't come to pass because all you had to do basically, and, and shit, I'm not going to lie at the time, 
Well, you know, we were a little spooked on it back then because, you know, we weren't looking at it from a scientific perspective. Uh, we were looking at it from a spook, spook perspective, and we got caught up into the conspiracy theory bullshit. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Thank you. It's, yep. All right, any other thing, or, or, or you're good? No, I'm good. I'm good. More than good. Thank you so very much for both, both of your interviews. You no problem. We appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. All right. Then we're just going to do one last one, and that's it. I know we got a few more calls. I ain't going to be able to get to everybody tonight. Uh, I didn't realize it's 1210. But good, good, good questions. Good dialogue. Uh, so we're going to try one more call. Let's see if we can get. Let's try this one here. Uh, just as guest number 11. Guest 11. Peace, peace, brother. What's going on, brother? How y'all doing? I, I'm just listening for the first time tonight, be honest with you. Okay, um, cool, cool, cool. We appreciate that. Yeah, I started, mm-hmm. hearing, I started hearing you with uh, Sharif, and um, I listened a little bit last night. Okay, good. I do have a question that you mm-hmm. unmuted me. Um, Go ahead. A person that sees all these things and has affirmations and confirmations that they can recognize that are being made apparent to them. Um, I've had incidences where I think of people, next thing I know I see them, or they call, or they show up, Mm -hmm. um, different things like that. But all this happening without any sort of formalities or any, um, you know, like the things that you're describing as far as setting up altars and all of that. Right. Um, And I guess my question is, something natural in all of us that we just haven't discovered yet, these things sure. that we're talking about. Um, sure. Um, I don't want to go into the moors, but we I'm quite sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Drew opens up the Circle 7 and say there never was a time when man was not. Correct. There never was a beginning and there never was an ending. That's correct. Okay, so, you know... Um, me personally, I just I've been on this this level of thinking for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and my goal is to be able to perfect it and bring it to a pinnacle, right? Where I can master it, like you say. And mm-hmm. um, I often uh, heard you say it earlier about the OTO, right? And um, I just was looking at the book of the law yesterday, thinking about purchasing one. Right. And what was your what, what's your outlook on that order? How would how would I get more insight other than just buying books? I don't you know mm-hmm. I'm in you see what area I'm in. Uh, right. Right. You know so. Uh, right. And um, I hear like, I hear a lot of things that you talk about. Uh, Quite frankly, with the Masonic Order and different things like that, uh, I'm just interested in how all this thing hook up together. And because um, I know, like you say, all is one in the mind and so forth and so on. Right. And that's where everything emanates from, action, actuality, from self. So, um, you know, I'm just just. I'm like a, I'm like a sponge, brother. I'm absorbing, <laughs> and I'm right. just sitting here listening. And 
hopefully to be able to put some of this to a more conscious application, I should say. Yeah, let me let me address two things that you said, uh, two important things. Like the first thing you said real quick, um, you said uh, earlier, like you said, sometimes you just have the natural ability uh, to tap in. And some people just have it more natural than others. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's, just, yeah, that's definitely something normal. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, as far as about the OTO, I don't know, where, where do you reside? Where, where, what state are you in? Where, where, where are you located? It's, it's Maryland. Okay, Marilyn, I would this would be my suggestion to you to find to learn more about it. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, if you go on to the to the website, just 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 type in oto.com. Their Grand Lodge mm-hmm. website comes up, mm-hmm. and and find your you know your local lodge in that area, and all of them have an open an open social night, usually the first week of the month on whatever day it is, okay. and it's. It's an open night. They usually do different presentations, lectures, um, and it gives you a chance to just go down and see the lodge, just kind of if it was like a Masonic lodge, very similar to masonry. Uh, mm-hmm. The degrees the degrees are, destruction, are structured on the character Saladin. It's, it's a lot of Eastern mysticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the de- degrees and the rituals are structured on. Now, yes, you're going to have some people that are going to give you the well, Alistair Crowley, and he was he was an incarnation of the devil and all that shit. That's all that's all spookism and, and myth. Yeah, he was a bizarre character, but remember the origin of the OTO goes even beyond him. He was the last one that had a large uh, authoritative action over the order before he passed away. Mm-hmm. But if you want just the experience of it, and you really want to know about it. That's the really only way you're going to know about it, other than just reading the books. Right. And you can go as far or as simple as you want. You ain't got to go through all the degrees. You could, <coughs> you could stop any way you choose. You might feel you get enough information and you don't want to go no further or vice versa. But long story short, that would be the best way to find out more and learn more. Find your local lodge. Find out when they have social night, which is open to the public. Uh, and then you can just go to one of those events and meet individuals and kind of get a gist for what the lodge is about. That would be my best uh, you know, you know, solution. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right, my brother. I appreciate right. it. I know you guys have been on for a minute. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, I, look, I, thank you for, I, like, I thank you for letting me in, and uh, I look forward to uh, listening again next week. All right. We definitely appreciate it, brother. All right, brother. Pete. All right. All right, last call. We got one more, and this is it. And then we're going to wrap this puppy up. I'm just going to try to see if I can plug this call in. Uh, this one just says... Uh, uh, Northeast California. Anybody there from Northeast California? Okay. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. We got you. Can Go you ahead. hear me? Oh, wonderful, you. wonderful. Okay, I just wanted to say, first of all, peace and so much love to you, brothers, for such a phenomenal show that you guys have been having. I just heard about you guys last night on Cherie's show. Okay. And. I came in late, so I want to say my humble apologies. But um, no, it's okay. one of the yes, uh, one of the things that I wanted to say was when you were um, talking about traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. and I remember when I was in junior high school, I had an experience which was a, a near death experience, 
And it's so funny because my uh, my best friend at the time, she and I were playing in first aid, and she wrapped a winter scarf around my neck. Mm. And um, I was I found myself on the outside of my body. Okay. And they were trying to revive me, and I was, like, looking at them, you know, attempting to revive me. And I'm like, why am I down there? <laughs> right. And I'm up here. And mm. it was it opened up a gateway that I didn't realize until later on. Because okay. I went through a lot of schools, and um, Dr. Delbert Blair is definitely one of my favorite teachers. I really right. like uh, C. Freeman L. And I okay. think I had been on this show one time before, uh, while you all were um, hosting, I think, interviewing Brother Panic. Okay. But um, one of the things that helped me a lot is really accepting the fact that, you know, we have to really have, you know, fun with our spiritual journey, our soulful right. journey. Because right. I remember the first time I saw what I used to describe for a long time as an orb, I didn't know what else to call it, so I used to call it a little light ball. <laughs> well, it looks That's like that. I, I can see why. Yeah, I can see why you did. Yeah, because I, I didn't have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then when um, I think I remember this movie. No, I do remember the movie, but I, I think I can't recall the name. I think it was Ghost with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick yeah. Swayze and Demi Moore. Yep. Was that Ghost? That's Ghost, yep. Right, and they had, like, these dark orbs, and then they had these light orbs. And then I began to really understand through my senses how I could better understand, you know, as I was um, what I call being activated. Okay. Because I would be able to hear voices, but they never scared me. And it even got to the point where the voices, my ancestors, and I recognize them to be people that I know, not just, you know, uh, anything outside of myself or what was familiar to me. And I would even get to the point where I would be like, look, you all have already had your life experience. This is my body. So if you want to talk to me, you make an appointment. As a matter of fact, don't talk to me unless I desire to talk to you because right. I recognize that I was a, um, I don't know what it's called, but maybe you all can put, you know, give the proper term because I recognize that I was um, audible. You okay. know, I could hear things. Mm-hmm. And um, it even helped me a lot to really, really um except the fact that whatever experience that I have, I don't put negative, you know, um, you know, expressions to them. I accept them for what they, what they are because That's right. That's I know important. that mm-hmm. I have the control, you know, as it relates to right. any interaction that I have. And I just right. really, 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 really appreciate you guys so much because I have a grandson. He's six years old, and he's born on April the 1st. And yeah, nice. yeah, he, he nice. and I said, Don't let nobody tell you that you are full. <laughs> That's right. And he said, Yeah, he's like, you know what, Grammy? I said, What? He said, uh, I was at the park today, right? And uh I was in the, you know, at the park 
and we live in a predominantly, you know, you know, predominantly Caucasian uh, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He he, right. he doesn't live in my home, but he was at the park, and um, he said that uh, these bigger kids were trying to get his uh, get his scooter from him, and right. he just stopped and he said uh, he said uh, he said they started making fun of him, and he said, Grammy, they were calling me raisin head. And I said, well, how did you, how did you, act, how did you respond to that, Iman? He said, I just started laughing. Hmm. I said, raising head, that's so funny. You know, oh, wow. you know, raising head, I get it. Right, right. Yeah, my, right, hair, right. my hair does look like raisins. And that's I right. said, well, how did you make it, how did it make you feel? He said, Grammy, I just thought it was funny because you talked to me so much. And he really applies his alchemy to relating to the Joker because I give him a broader range of, don't never accept what anybody says to you in a way that's going to be harmful to your spirit. That's you right. know, you turn it around and you make it, you perceive things the way that you want to perceive them so that you stay happy. Because it's about right. your happiness and not letting anybody affect your energy for whatever outcome that they want. And he's, a really, right. he's really an amazing child because, he understands these concepts like it's like it's, it's like second nature to him. That's right. And uh, I just appreciate you all so very, very much because well, these we, tools are phenomenal. Thank you. Well, no problem. We definitely appreciate you calling in and sharing that with us, sister, and, and thanks for the support. And, and, and most definitely, uh, we, we, we look forward to you tuning in. All right. All right. Y'all have a all good right. night. You too. All right, uh, folks, we're going to wrap this thing up. I ain't going to lie. I got shit to do. Ravonna Noon got shit to do, and it's getting late. And them Apple Jacks is calling me, brother. Them Apple Jacks is calling me. See that box right over there. Anyway, all right, other than that, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, real quick, two quick announcements before everybody, uh, before we depart. Uh, we do, do want to let everybody know we have set uh, the event again. Uh, Third week in November, uh, Friday, November 18th, 7 p.m., we will be doing a ritual for the ancestors, which will include some serious drumming. Uh, That's going to be Friday, November 18th here in uh, North Miami, Miami Gardens. Uh, And the following day, uh, Saturday, uh, November 19th at 7.30 p.m., myself and Brother Ravana Noon will be doing a class on the uh, the origin of the left-hand path, it's, it's ancient Egyptian uh, roots. We're going to kind of touch on that and get a little bit more in-depth personally. Uh, that'll be Saturday, November 19th. Uh, there is no charge for these events. They're completely free. Uh, the only thing we ask is uh, support the vendors. Uh, you know, support. We'll be out there with books. Just just contribute in some way. So there's no no charge to get in. Uh, both events are free, but the Friday event, just want to be crystal clear on this, uh, you do need to send us an email if you're going to come. Uh, we do need to talk to you briefly, uh, either via email or the phone, to kind of explain to you what's going to take place, because that event's not going to be for everybody. Uh, and you do need to be on the list uh, for that event. Uh, but we do want to be clear on what's going to take place at that event. If you're not, or have not been used to seeing spirits and things of that nature come down and ride people, you may not want to come to that event. That's not going to be, and it's not an event where you can just view it. It's an event that you have to participate in because it destroys the energy of the event. Uh, so if you are interested in coming to that event, 
uh, shoot us an email. Uh, that's Friday, November 18th, 7 p.m. And then the class will be the following day, uh, Saturday, November 18th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, both events are free. Uh, I'll give you the contact information. It's the contact information for the radio show here, uh, khnum19 at gmail.com. Again, that's khnum19 at gmail.com. Uh, that's the email you want to hit up for that event. Since I said that, I might as well just give my quick closing. Uh, uh, nah, Jogger Sue, that event, unfortunately, will not be online. But speaking of that real quick, uh, now that we got settled in, right after we do that event, we will go ahead and do the next uh, Google online video webinar. So that'll, that'll happen. Uh, I believe we're going to do that the first, first or second week in December right after that event is over. That will be the next event online, and we'll, we'll continue our discussion on uh, invoking deities after we did the introduction to magic with setting up altars and things of that nature. Uh, but if you want to participate in that, you need to send me a, uh, through the Mother Nubia uh, YouTube channel, send me your Google name so we can put you on the list and uh, connect you in, send you the invite when, that, when we have the event. Because as I said last time, People were hitting me up while the event was going on, and it was annoying trying to stop and plug people in. And so we want to start at a set time, send you the invite in advance, and just keep it rolling. Once once we go on, I'm not going to I'm not going to stop and and uh, plug people in. It just becomes a distraction. So that will be the next online event. Uh, but again, you can go to the, um, my my mother Nubia Inc. channel and send send your name. We'll put you on the list. Uh, for that. Uh, you can also go there. There's videos there, and you can contact me at that same email address, khnum19 at gmail.com. You can also go to our Facebook page, Awakening, uh, Awakening Universal Minds. Uh, you can drop us a line by there, and we'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. Brother Ravana Noon, go ahead, brother. All right. Uh, as always, Brother Ravana Noon, you can reach me at R-A-V-A-N-A-N-U-N at Outlook.com. That's Ravana Noon at Outlook.com. Or you can uh, reach me on my Google Plus page or YouTube under the same name of Dark Occultist 99 And uh, you can also contact us on Awakening Universal Minds Facebook page. Peace. All right. We appreciate it. Uh, so, again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, more than likely, unless something drastically changes, we're probably going to do a second part uh, to this show next week uh, to finish up. There's a few things that we left out uh, that we'd like to plug in. Um, and, again, uh, if you're interested in coming to those events, shoot us an email at khnum19 at gmail.com. Uh, and be more than happy to see some of you all out there uh, which you can actually interact with us on a personal level. Uh, it's fun. We have a good time. Trust me when I tell you, especially with the drums, you know, a lot of shit you don't see, you know, uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, feel free to come to that. Other than that, we'll see everybody next week, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and peace, and everybody have a good week. Until next week, peace.